0: And yes, I will hang Dong as a power move. Good. You, that's your fucking God given right. This is my domicile. It's your Dongicile, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hang it, brother. It was right in front of me. Hang it. <laughs> Podcast. This is the year, gentlemen. Nick Durheim, Chris Gillyfor, not dead. The year of our Lord getting COVID for the second time. How you feeling, dude?
1: <laughs> I'm good today. It was really good to to be on campus. Um, you know, I'm two days without a fever, so I didn't feel like a mask was terribly necessary, but I wore one anyway, partially for optics, partially to help people feel at ease. Uh Partially because you're clearly still
0: sick and spreading COVID to anyone who you're talking to. (laughs) I would say that's a good call.
1: Not correct. Based on science, when you're no longer feverish, the contagious period should be over. Especially I'm like six days on from that. That's not science. I think it is. Pretty sure it is. The CDC recommends isolating for 10 days from onset of symptoms and up to 20 for those with severe cases. Several medical journals, including one notable study from the Lancet Respiratory Medicine, show that the virus's contagiousness peaks days 5 to 7, with 93% of cases shedding viral loads beyond 7 days. Chris texts us, and I quote, honest to God I think this is the sickest I've ever been. Unquote. Chris is a walking petri dish, a human dumpster full of viral garbage waiting to be spread to the immunocompromised among us. I'm shocked he didn't give me COVID while recording this podcast. COVID Crusade Podcast, time for the two top minds in our field to talk it out. <laughs> yes! Let me get my trucker hat and iridescent uh, sunglasses, and I'll, I'll sit in the driver's seat of my pickup and uh, record this video. Um, no, I'm good. It was really good to be back on campus. Uh, I feel good. I overextended my energy a little bit in my second class, hyping my students up, doing some fun, stupid shit. Uh, we were doing Shakespearean insults as like a crew battle, basically with their discussion groups, like insulting each other back and forth and going, Oh, you shit and stuff like that. And so I was walking around just being an idiot and having a good time with them and was like, yeah, I'm going to go home and rest. Uh, but I'm good. I'm really glad to be out of the house. Six days. Fuck this too much goddamn time to be at home. Them just rookie numbers. All right, Chris, what are we doing today? Oh, we are talking about TGA, the Game Awards. Uh, Today, Monday, November 13th, day of recording. uh, The nominees for the 2023 Game Awards were announced. We've been uh, champing at the bit, waiting to do a little bit of uh, predicts. And uh, now it's time. Well, we're not going to do every category. There's some stuff that we were kind of like, you know what? None of us are a part of the esports scene. I don't think we need to make any guesses on the five or six esports categories that they have now as it just so many it's too many (laughs) too fucking many
2: for a a fake idea that everyone is like jumping ship from esports has been a colossal failure over the past 15 years and yet jeff Keeley still tries to trot it out like it matters it's really strange
1: bless him for that nod uh to the group but yeah it's advertising dollars speaks Mm. volumes follow the money uh so we've pared it down from the full 31 categories uh to i think like 20 21 um And we're going to go through these, we're going to talk about some games, talk about some stuff that we played this year, talk about some stuff that we uh, uh, maybe didn't play but heard a lot about, Uh, and we're going to make some predictions. Uh, It was said earlier that it wouldn't be worth doing any kind of pool or bets overall on most correct picks because we feel like we're pretty much going to be picking the same games for most of these categories because it's very obvious Uh, I think that's true for some. I think that for others, uh, we may have a little more to talk about than we think we do. But we're just going to go beat by beat through these on the Game Awards website, and you're welcome to uh, follow along at home by heading over to thegamewards.com slash nominee slash game of the year. That'll get you into the first one, and you can slide through. Uh, Folks, we've said it a lot this year. This was a preposterous year for video games, that there are 16 titles on Open Critic alone, that are rated 90 or higher, which is absolutely, absolutely ludicrous. Uh, we still have Super Mario RPG yet to release, not eligible for this year's TGA because it came out too late. Uh, that could be another 90. We have another handful of games sitting at uh, solid 89s or 88s. Um, Looney Tunes, bonkers, batshit, insane, crazy year four games. Uh, and yet, in our Game of the Year uh, nominees field, not really any surprises. Uh, from those from those heavy hitting titles, at least not to me. Uh, we've got Alan Wake 2 coming in with that sort of uh, late fall Oscar bait equivalent season release to get a lot of hype going right into the awards ceremony. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3, the absolute like runaway sensation that dominated dominated Steam uh, for the first several weeks of its uh, formal release after oh my god years of early access. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2, we talked about that at length a week ago. I don't think we need to deep dive that. That's, we're, we're well on record for that. The remake of Resident Evil 4, which maybe we could talk a little bit about. I think that there was some curiosity from this group about how they were going to handle remaster, remake uh, type things. Uh, and then Nintendo's two major tent poles, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, which we've all been playing a ton of. Uh, EJ, you're done with it. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Uh, and of course, uh, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Folks, that is a hell of a field, but I feel like it's a two horse race, and I don't know if y'all would agree with me there. What are you what are you feeling about this field?
2: Yeah, definitely two horse. Um interesting that
1: RE remake
2: got on there above new games. Um I'm sure that it's great and it obviously reviewed very well, but there's other games that are remakes that did not get the kind of shine that Resident Evil did this year. And uh it's just it kind of stands out to me. It's just kind of interesting. But there's no chance in hell that it actually wins GOTY. Like, it's between Zelda and Baldur's Gate, and, like, that's obvious.
0: EJ, what are you feeling? It's kind of fucking crazy that, like, Dead Space doesn't make this. Diablo doesn't make this. Not necessarily Game of the Year, but, like, looking through the nominations, I forget that these gigantic games came out. Final Fantasy. No Final Fantasy. Starfield. I mean, it's it's insane. I know we keep talking about what kind of year we've had. I think I sent last night in the group chat that there have been 16 90s or above via Open Critic. That's insane. Alan Wake Two it isn't even the top twenty reviewed games on Open Critic this year. Like, why is it here? Alan Wake Two people are liking it, but I think it is similar to Spider Man and that it is grossly overrated because of just sort of the the hype surrounding it. And uh, I don't think it should be on this list. But I don't know. Maybe just because I don't, I haven't played it. But even talking to people who have, like, Baldur's Gate, the highest reviewed game of the year, feels like a game that like. Am I crazy to say I'll be shocked if it wins anything this year?
2: Yes. You're incredibly crazy. There's later categories that it will it'll sweep, you know. Like it's it's honestly like it's between that and Zelda for a reason. And Zelda you could knock by being like, oh, it's just a sequel to Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild also swept game awards in 2017. So it's like it is a popularity contest as much as it is a quality contest. Like who what is the most popular? What's the best game that the most people have played? I think Zelda probably beats up Baldur's Gate in that regard. I, I'm leaning towards Zelda as being the winner of this category.
0: Uh, I'm with you. It's,
2: it should be Zelda. But I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if Baldur's Gate wins it. Like, that would not, like, shock me. But there's been plenty of times where it's, like, it's it's split between two, like,
1: two games. I'm wondering, so th- is that, that, that's y'all's pick? You're, you're taking Zelda for Godi? Oh, yeah. I am. Yeah, I I'm, I'm curious about this. I'm curious about this because I I felt the same way until the golden joysticks happened over across the pond in the UK and Baldur's Gate won a record number of awards at that show, including game of the year over Zelda and their ultimate game of the year category. I think there was like 20 nominees in there, so it could have been any one of these like really highly reviewed games this year. What is the uh, jury pool for golden joysticks? That I don't know. That was going to be my very next question is, is that a panel of games journalists? Like how do they, I, I'm not like sure. Is like UK based?
2: Because like, I know historically, maybe not necessarily the case now, but Nintendo has not been historically popular in the UK that is compared true. to something as more widely appealing as uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So that could have it. I know I joked when we were texting about it that like the joysticks literally don't mean anything, but like...
0: For context, Horizon Forbidden West won best storytelling and God of War won zero awards at the joysticks last year. So it's kind of like ah, take that with a great assault. Like Elden Ring did win Ultimate Game of the Year, so they got that right, you know.
2: Wow, they have an
1: Ultimate Game of the Year award. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I like the phrasing called. on that. It's so extra. I love it. I love it. Well, they have like console specific games of the year, so I think that's where they look for like ultimate oh, yeah. instead of overall, but I'm definitely going to stick with yeah, Zelda. I wonder if that maybe that that was like oh because this
2: is tied less to a singular platform then more votes end up trickling towards Baldur's
1: Gate because obviously the Switch game of the year is Tears of the Kingdom like yeah no doubt. And that's my pick too. I'm I'm sticking with it. I have not played Baldur's Gate. Everyone that in in my circles who has played it is still playing it uh and like literally not playing anything else uh because of the depth and breadth of this game and how much fun they're having. But I ain't played it. Uh, and I'm not willing to back off of a unquestionably generational title uh in Tears of the Kingdom that fully realized the proof of concept that was Breath of the Wild. Uh yeah, it's Zelda for me. So we are in
0: agreement. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm online, like terminally so. I feel like Baldur Gates' biggest fucking moment in the Zeitgeist was the trailer where the bear fucks, and then we had the articles about highest concurrent players on Steam, yada yada. And then it was just like, all right, we have like a million other games to play. I'm not saying it's not a great game. It it by all accounts is. Again, highest rated game of the year. Is this a game that enough people have played and has made a big enough impression in a year where we've had all these games that people are like, yeah, this stands above the rest for me to to really win in a war like this. I just feels like there are gonna be some really angry D&D nerds when all is said and done.
2: And I think, yeah, I think you you hit on a, a salient point there that I think it's so, it's such a big and choice driven game that it probably scares away a lot of the the voting jury as far as like who has played this game. I'm sure at every outlet, one person played the game and loved it to bits, gave it a 10 and that floats it up on Metacritic. But these outlets are not voting with one person. They're voting with like everyone, like they have to measure it up against the three people, the 10 people that everybody who played tears of the kingdom versus the one person who played baller's gate three and swears that it was a 10 out of 10. It was better than Zelda. So it, it's tough. It probably internally to try and like make that make sense as far as what, what votes go where. But I think just the, the mass appeal of Zelda makes it hard to even compete against
0: the voting for this. Is just weighted between, uh, outlets having votes and fan votes
2: believe it is but it's a very small percentage of fan vote i think it's like five to ten percent fan vote
0: because you know again to my point about you know baldur's gate sort of its place in gaming culture i know he talked about when zelda came out like the videos that just were everybody was playing zelda i mean the videos were everywhere every single content creator call of duty guys were playing zelda on stream you know what i mean I have not seen anything about Baldur's Gate again after that first week. It was, the, the, and I know maybe that's partly just due to the algorithm and like Zelda. I was playing Zelda and consuming more of that content, but dude, it was the more streamable everywhere.
2: game, more shareable. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate, you're not gonna share. Like you can share the moment where the squirrel explodes or like where the the bear fucks the guy, but you're not gonna you're not gonna play it in front of people. And be like, oh, let me roll this dice and figure out if I have the the charisma to get myself out of this tavern brawl. Like, that's fun for a person. It's fun for you and your friends to, like, go into that world yourself. But I don't think it's
1: a shareable.
0: It's not a particularly exciting.
1: A short, viral kind of TikTok kind of kind of video. Yeah. And with the Switch's install base, too, like, yeah, Steam had, what, a million concurrent players? Was that the... It was
2: huge.
1: Like, it can't be understated how big it was for, like, a not a competitive multiplayer game. Yeah, really massive. Numbers. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to get that at all, but to your point about like the ubiquity of Zelda and how many fucking Nintendo Switches that company has sold. There are probably at least that many concurrent Switch players of Tears of the Kingdom, but that's not a metric that Nintendo tracks or cares to track uh in the same way that Steam does. Steam chart, at least what I'm looking at right
0: now, all-time peak was 875. That is I mean, that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a
2: lot of people but for a largely single player ish Game right, and that's
0: plummeted down to just at around a hundred thousand, which I guess is what you'd expect. I don't know how it stacks up against,
1: yeah. And yet, and yet, that's I mean, god, maybe less than half of what Tears was probably having concurrently during the first weekend of that game's release. I mean, that's like how many million units in the first week? Like a fuckload million units. So many units.
0: Do you want to know what the top 10 games are, really quick, by current players?
2: Yeah,
1: Strike 2, Dota, uh,
0: the new Call of Duty.
1: Apex, PUBG,
0: Team Fortress, Rust, Football Manager 24, and Lost Ark. Baldur's Gate is the only single-player fucking game on this list. That is impressive. That That's is cool. impressive.
2: It is a big deal, but it's like, just for the voting outlets, just what I'm thinking of, like IGN and GameSpot, I'm sure there's like three people who have poured a like actual real number of hours into the game, and then maybe six other people who played it for an hour and was like, yeah, you know, I get this, but I'm not going to play anymore. So I, I don't know if that really tips the scales one way or the other. It's tough to tell.
0: We're okay, gonna look this up live here, folks. Game.
2: Awards, it gets a little strange because there's like international outlets, and that's like obviously if it's not your native tongue, you're kind of running through machine translating. You're like, oh, I don't know, like what these places even write about. <laughs> I guess this is the esports contingent in Bangladesh or whatever. And
0: what this says is a voting jury of over 100 leading media and influencer outlets across the globe, but it doesn't say like how many people from each outlet get to vote. Well, it's one per outlet, presumably that changes the arithmetic then again. What if that's the one guy
2: who played breath of the wild versus the one guy who played a hundred hours of Baldur's gate? There's no way to know. I don't know if it's ranked choice voting. I know that the, the um, submissions as far as like who is nominated the nominees, they have multiple nominations. Like if you're an outlet, you say, Oh, these four games deserve to be in best racing game or whatever. But then I think when it comes time to, to vote, I think it is just the one vote. I don't think it's ranked choice. So yeah, like, if you're choosing game of the year between tears, of the kingdom, Baldur's gate, Spider-Man, super Mario bros, Alan, wake two and resident evil four. What are you picking? You pick it's, you're picking between Baldur's gate and Zelda and you're probably
1: picking And odds are they are far more likely that if you pull one person out of an outlet, like IGN, that they have played Zelda a lot more than they have played Baldur's gate a lot. Like you said, um, I want to speak really briefly. Just a second. Gigi's eating a floral arrangement. Um, Oh. <laughs> Hopefully no wishbones in that floral arrangement. Uh, uh, I wish I may, I wish I might. A wishbone fed I my cat tonight. Um, I want to speak a little bit really, really quickly about uh, Final Fantasy not being nominated for Game of the Year and just lead, and by immediately saying I completely agree with this choice, um, I have played actually a lot of the Game of the Year nominees this year, which is super cool to me. Um... But man, I, as much as that game does really, really well and Brandon and I have started messaging about it and that got him off his ass to uh, start playing it again because he stopped quite a bit before where I am currently uh, and is now uh, catching up, which is great. Um, Can't be outdone. Somebody to fucking talk to about this game. It's great. Uh, Oh, He just just got to a great set piece last night and he was like, dude! And I was like, dude! And then we talked about it. Uh, but there are some things in this game that are just fucking maddening, uh, and there there are things that these are Square Enix things that these are things that they've been doing since like Final Fantasy XII that just drive me absolutely insane. That I don't know who in the directing cinematography team on these games continues to think that these things are 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 good conventions. But we'll get we'll get you know the the characters saying like obvious segue into the story. I'm now going to tell you a massive like three to five second pause while the camera slowly pans up from the characters towards the sky and we fade to black and then a massive five to six second fade in and pan down to a different shot of the characters and they're still not speaking and that's the story and now we're going to continue literally every fucking time it drives me insane how much <laughs> it chops up the flow of an otherwise really good narrative uh, with this. And they, honest to god, you can find it on YouTube. Look up like a Final Fantasy twelve cutscene compilation. They do the same fucking thing, and that's like twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, long fucking time ago. Too 15, long. Man. So uh, shit like that. The the character models are are good, but the facial animations are like literally playstation 2 level bad heard especially in like npcs Yup. when we are outside of any quote unquote like fully animated cutscene when we're in just like in-game engine models moving around that you could go in and out of battle at any time kind of thing and they're animating the faces it literally looks like a playstation 2 game um it's insane i literally don't know how it's that bad when we know it can be done so much better and has been done better on like one console generation hardware ago. And even I think the faces in the last was one are better than this. That's two console generations ago. It's just little shit like that. Right. Where I'm kind of like, all right, this is, this is a really fucking good game. It's not, it does not have the polish and luster to be a game of the year candidate. I'll talk about all the good stuff later, but yeah, I was like, not surprised, not surprised at all that Alan Waite came in and was like, Nope, that's mine. Well, I had it.
2: Um, in my, my, uh, nomination guessing spree, uh, sheet that I have pulled up. I had that nominated instead of Resident Evil because I didn't think that Resident Evil was going to hang with the uh, Game of the Year contenders, but I
1: mean, that's a 92. I love showing out. That's a 92. That's a damn good game by all accounts. I need to play that thing. Metroid Prime's a 94. That didn't make it Game of the Year. That is a remaster. <laughs> Resident Evil 4 is a ground-up remake. Closer
2: to a remake than a remaster, ask EJ Olsen, who said so himself. Insert, Insert clip?
1: clip? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I, and that was something that we all were wondering, like, how are they going to handle remake, remaster, and RE4 rose to the top? I am not, Metroid Prime remastered should not be on, um, not be nominated for Game of I'm League. not
2: saying that it should, I'm just saying it's weird that, maybe a little bit weird. It's not that weird, I mean, RE2, RE2 flowed up, but that was also a weaker year. That was the year that Control was, like, Game of the Year nominated, and Sekiro ended up winning. So it's like, that was kind of a weaker, that was strange.
1: That was like Link's Awakening and Fire Emblem Year. That was also a much bigger remake, too. I mean, we're going from like one screen panel at a time with tank controls, yes, to an absolutely stunning... They made RE2
2: like RE4, and then they made RE4 like how you remembered RE4
1: was. It's a good line. Uh, Let's... Move to the next category, which is a uh, game direction awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. So we're talking the holistic package. How did you create Can uh, how did you conceive of and create this world, how it looks, how it feels, uh, how it sounds? Um, yeah. Direction. Uh, overall creative direction, I think, is how I would sum that up. And we have some five very familiar nominees. It is literally the Game of the Year nominees minus Resident Evil 4. <laughs> Alan Wake, Baldur's yeah, Gate. Yeah, screw you, RE4. Bad direction. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. correct. Spider-Man and Zelda. Uh, Mario, Spider-Man and Zelda. We Mario? Hmm. I am... I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted about this. <laughs> uh, and I feel like it'd be easy to just go... Oh, obviously, it's going to be either Zelda or Baldur's Gate again. But if we really want to pick some nits here, if we really want to nitpick here.
0: It's a trap. It's a trap. I did this the last two years. Don't do it, Chris.
1: It's a trap.
2: It literally is. EJ's right. We've talked about this to death, but it's always just like whatever the goatee is, it's going to go best game direction. But,
1: but, and, and, and for the sake of conversation, I agree. But for the sake of conversation, are we really going to award best game direction to Tears of the Kingdom when... A huge majority of the direction of that game was already done in Breath of the Wild. Are the additional elements of the design of that game good enough on their own that they could beat all these other games that have more like uniquely and fully realized worlds? That's that is the question on my mind, although I'm probably still gonna gonna take Zelda to cover my ass. But what what do y'all think about that?
0: See Covering our asses would be to hedge and just vote Baldur's Gate, assuming that Baldur's Gate and Zelda really, truly have the only chances of getting game of the year. We just hedge our bets so that we can win one of the categories, at least. To me, like creative vision and innovation in game direction and design, to me, that's less about visually. And so even though the map is the same and a lot of the armor sets are the same and like it's wearing the Breath of the Wild skin suit, it is a at its core, a very different experience based on how they crafted those tools that you interact with, those sandboxes, all of the new dungeons that they did. It's like, to me, it is a significant improvement over what Breath of the Wild did. And so different. Uh, Even if, you know, if you want to be reductive and boil it down to like, they're giving you tools so that you have options to interface with the world and the world is the same. So no, the tools they gave you were so far and away they were bigger. They were better. They were deeper. To me, it's like you look at the systems of, of, of Zelda and you want to compare that to fucking Baldur's gate. It, it, come on. It's a system as old as time, you know? But if people interpret this as being like creative direction and you talk about vibes and visuals and just sort
2: of the, uh,
0: ever Je elusive sais quoi. the ouvre. I don't even know how you quantify such a thing the
2: quintessence
0: the Alan Wake He might have a chance but it's going to be one of the game of the year winner and to me that's either Baller Gator or Zelda I don't I do I want to hedge
2: and and split and hope to win one of them or do I just go whole hog on Zelda here Nick know. what do you got I just want to say I don't understand this category as being
1: necessary oh. like, What is this How is oh. this what is this you're the same it's a terrible category you people like you are the reason why Denis Villeneuve didn't win best director at the fucking Oscars two years ago nobody knows what a director does no one knows what a director does Well, it's also
2: different from game to game so like yes I don't know what a game director does <laughs> and also is this best director or is this best game direction
1: and who does the direction
0: there are how many directors are there on a film how many directors are there on a fucking video game more than a film there's one guy at the top but he, even he answers to the producers who are actually directing
1: there are department heads in film too but there's still a clear chain of i'm just saying i'm just saying there are games where you can tell that the cohesive all of the elements come together cleanly and cohesively to deliver the game experience in the way it looks feels sounds the way that we experience the story um think of something like Spider-Man 2 when we were talking about like a very clear sense of direction, a very clear directive from that had to have come from the top down, we are going to let you play everything. Everything is going to be playable. We want you to feel it. We want you to enjoy it, experience it. Play those Coney Island minigames. Ride that fucking bike, which is cool. I don't care what you say. Unless you're fighting Craven, Right, in, in which case it falls on its face. Uh, in a way that like Final Fantasy obviously does not do that. There are, some, there are some big disconnects in that game that I'm like, this did not cohese in the same way that all of these games did, and if I may, I think that, I know I just talked about Spider-Man specifically, I don't I don't think that that's a, a, a legitimate contender here, but I think Mario's got a puncher's chance. I think that the overall direction, the direction of delivery of Mario has been f- fucking delightful and consistently wonderful, I dare say, and surprising and interesting and clever and I don't know, like, I, I I, think it's less less clear-cut, although at the end of the day, you are probably right, and they're probably just going to give it to whichever game wins fucking Game of the Year, because they're like, oh, well, that's the best one, so must have had the best direction, and... Can
2: we just, for a moment, just celebrate that there's no, like, sad bastard games this year, that everyone's going to be like, oh, the shoe one is obviously the depressing one, but full of trauma. It's like, no, we've got Kooky, Lynchy, and Alan Wake, and we've got Tears of the Kingdom, we've got two awesome Nintendo games, Spider-Man... Baldur's Gate, which is like a Dungeons & Dragons wet dream. I mean, I just like that we have a happy list.
0: A conversation I want to get into is the year in gaming that we have had, is this just sort of the stars have aligned and we're getting a lot of unusually good games and it's just once in a decade, once in every two decades sort of thing? Or is this a direct result of COVID and sort of the delays and the projects being paused and pushed out and now everything is just sort of coalescing into 2023 in this one banger of a year or i mean obviously next year is not i mean we're gonna have a massive drop-off next year after this like there's no way we can live up to this is it because of covid or is it just luck of the draw and we're just we're they all happen to line up like this i don't know but it's cool it's way better to have good games to talk about Then, like, can you imagine if the game of the year nominees were like Starfield and Diablo 4? Like, fucking gross, dude. You know what I mean? Like, what a bummer.
2: Yeah, I think it's a combination of elements. I think it's, I mean, that's the boring answer, but it's probably the true one. So, yeah, it is a lot of uh, stuff got delayed. Stuff took a lot longer because of uh, COVID working conditions. And things that probably would have come out last year, two years ago, are now all sort of clumping up right here. But there's also things that would have come out this year that got pushed into the next that. Would have been awesome, would have added to the to the oovre, as you said, EJ. Uh like Tekken, Tekken could have been a 2023 game, and that would have been like three huge, massive tentpole fighting games coming out from like the big three. And that would have been like just another cherry on top of the the ridiculous Sunday that this year's been. But I don't think it's necessarily like a a direct result of that. These games would have come out and would have been great whenever they did, but it's just sort of, like you said, look at the draw, it just kind of happened. It kind of just lined up, the stars aligned and
1: 2023 has just been a all-timer. Also agree. Combination of factors. Uh, I think they are three specific ones that come to mind for me. COVID, obviously delaying a lot of games, which can be a blessing most of the time in getting extra time to polish, extra time to refine, to make sure things are very good. On Nintendo sunset slate, Nintendo goes out on a fucking high note consistently, consistently has excellent fucking releases, at least in the last several console generations. Even like, say what you want about, like, love Skyward Sword, hate Skyward Sword. That was a late, a late stage Wii release and reviewed very fucking well.
2: Breath of the Wild was the best death knell any video game consoles ever had. Yep, uh, absolutely. I forgot the Wii you got. <laughs> God damn it.
1: All right, all right, you're right. And, and, uh, we have, uh, first party developers, uh, uh, in Sony and Microsoft or partner developers for Sony and Microsoft fully taking advantage of the capabilities of this generation of hardware for the first time. Uh, so we've got things like Spider-Man, Final Fantasy, uh, Alan Wake. Uh, well, I guess Baldur's Gate is on, uh, is on PC, but uh, Starfield, you know, say what you want about it. It reviewed very well. Um, and uh, that's, that. that's what I think. I think those, those three factors in particular, if we go through the top grossing titles, that's going to check a lot of those boxes or top rated titles. And also just to double back to the
2: topic at hand and talk about best game direction. Chris, I am one of those people that thinks that best director is a bullshit category of the Oscars because it should just be go to the best film. You made the best film. You're the best director and a story who needs two categories to just jerk off people. Whatever. This is the Lynch fan and
0: Chris recognizing that he's one of the best directors, but consistently he makes bad
2: movies, but he's a great director. That's dude. exactly
0: That's the thing. It's the cope. It's the cope for people who love and respect these people who don't usually make very good things. Chris, I'm trying to get you.
1: <laughs> Once again, I will say I will not have conversations with people who have not consumed the media that they want to talk about. So you, you sit down with me and we'll watch Mulholland drive and you tell me if you think David Lynch makes a bad movie. That's some people's literally best movie of the last hundred and hundred years of cinema and rightfully so it's a fucking stunning film. So game direction, you all, you, 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 y'all pick a Zelda.
2: Yeah. It's whatever goes to go So yeah, it goes Zelda. (laughs) Uh, Ej, you hedge. Also, it is a it is a weirdly phrased category, and like the name of the category, I think misleads people. I mean, this is the same award show that last year had sifu in Best Fighting Game nominated by this, you know, hundred outlets or whatever. So apparently, people don't know what games are. That's a game where you fight. Yeah, fighting game, <laughs> Battletoads, <laughs> yeah. fighting game, Castle Crashers,
0: <laughs> Spider Man fighting game. I'm gonna go Zelda here. Only because, listen, like I talked about, I could hedge and win one of okay. these, but my goal is to beat you guys, and if if, if Nick oh. is going to lose both of these, I will lose both of these. So let that influence your decision or not, Chris, but I'll go Zelda. You would
1: rather lose together than win apart. All right, pal. Uh, I am also going with Zelda, not because I think that they're a matched pair, but because if I think about... Innovation and direction, if I think about that, that phrasing in the category description, I think that on some, what Zelda did is, is fucking unparalleled. Um, in spite of some other really, really well-designed games and consistently designed and directed games. That's it for me. That's it for me. I'm going Zelda. You
0: telling me you think Mario Mario is the first Mario to ever do fucking mushrooms and fuck around in the sewer?
1: I think it's the first Mario to literally do mushrooms in the sense that we would say doing mushrooms. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And to great effect. May I add um, as discussed? All right, we're moving. We're moving. We're moving into best narrative for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. We've got some new names in here. And some old names, uh, namely <laughs> uh, Alan Wake, Baldur's Gate, Spider Man, all nominees in here. Also, Cyberpunk, Phantom Liberty, and Final Fantasy 16. What are we feeling, fellas? This should be an easy Alan Wake. Alan Wake is not is even nothing a game without
0: a story. Exactly. It's not even a fucking video game. When Brennan was talking about how it was his favorite game of the year, and I was like, it's certainly the best walking simulator of the year, it exists because of the story. It, this It should win this category.
1: Wow, strong and strong, swift feelings here. Ah, uh, I don't know, Alan Wake. I know you've talked to uh, talked to Bren about it, but I watched Bren play. Even he, he even
0: showed me a recap of the first game, and then we hung out on Discord. And I was like, "This is spooky,
2: very Lynchian." Oh, stop! It's between Alan Wake and Baldur's Gate. I don't. When people talk about Baldur's Gate, it's more about. I mean, I guess it's it's part of a narrative in which the story is what you make of it and how you interact with it and how you interface with it. And Baldur's gate is that in spades, but I don't know if that necessarily like reads as narrative to the voting uh, jury. So I think it's the more obvious, like the Occam's razor, the simplest answer is
1: often the, the best one. So I think it's going to be Alan Wake too, as well. I agree that Baldur's Gate, I think, weirdly is not going to do it for a lot of people because of the fact that it's so intensely player driven that it's like, well, what is the narrative of Baldur's Gate? It's anything. okay? well, what does that mean? Like, how do I quantify that? How do I evaluate if that if my playthrough of Baldur's Gate 3 is a satisfying enough sample to say that, yeah, that's the best that's the best narrative? It shouldn't be in the conversation. I agree,
2: frankly. I mean, having not played it and just knowing that it's based heavily on D&D, something else I think back to is another game based heavily on D&D, which is Knights of the Old Republic. And do you think that game has a good story? Because if it's like that, then I I would see it fitting Uh, in that category. Shit,
1: yeah, okay. There's based on D&D, as in Baldur's Gate is literally D&D, and then there is uses a D20 battle system a la knights of the old republic but but i think it's from the same sort of lineage as far as like the original
2: Baldur's gate games were developed by bioware like that's what kotor is is those games but with star wars stuff so if it's trying to like capture that lineage mixed with divinity which is also very story based and like it is a story you're you're role playing through a story so i mean i, I can't just like bull i i won't go so far as to say that it's like not a story because of the, the way you're interacting with it and the way you change it and the choices you're making but I just don't know if it necessarily is the first thing that pops to your mind is the narrative. I think it's more just like the agency that you have and the way you can explore and and uh, manipulate the systems to do things that are fun and interesting and compelling. The same way Tears of the Kingdom allows you to like break the puzzles and like f- jump through walls and like do whatever you want because they give you they have the confidence to say, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want because whatever you're gonna do is gonna be the best way. To, to defeat this problem that's in front of you. And I don't know if that's narrative. Like, Tears of the Kingdom isn't in the narrative category, obviously, no. even though it has those same systems that allow you to interact with the world in an interesting way. No, that's a good point. I'm waffling in a, in a complicated way, but I, st- I still do think that it's Alan Wake, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Baldur's Gate is is a good choice here, uh, regardless. Um, How about? FF-16, how are you liking that story? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say is I think this is a goddamn good story. I think it's extremely well written. I think that the, the characters are interesting and they're... Hang on. Cat fight. <laughs> Speaking of living situations, does Chris have
0: doors in this apartment or is he just living in a fucking box? <laughs> He's got cats, so they take precedent. They get to do whatever the hell they want. I've locked my cat out of the office, so she cannot disturb. She would be sitting on my keyboard right now if she was allowed in here.
1: All right. Yeah, I am in the living room. Dominance. I'm in the living room because Tiffany's sister's in town. She's taking a nap in the office, which is where I usually record. Um, It is 7 o'clock, and at 7 o'clock, our automated feeder uh plays a pre-recorded message three times that includes me basically screaming like a banshee for my cats to come eat. Uh and then <laughs> dispenses the food uh into the uh feeder. Yeah, dog owners are their weird ones, EJ, right? <laughs> I am so thankful
0: <laughs> Waffle is just a dog. <laughs> I put food in her bowl once a week. She just nibbles at it. Comfortably. She doesn't overeat. I would love to do that, but Ridley is 18 pounds. A gobbler? Yeah.
1: It happens. You got a nibbler or a gobbler. It's luck of the draw. He, Yeah. And he, on honestly, like he yesterday was laying in bed next to Tiffany and he had his legs stretched out and his head was right at Tiffany's hip bone and the top of his bottom foot extended was at the top of her head. Like he is an enormous cat, just a huge cat, but he is a little overweight big so, ol chonker. <laughs> yeah, so we can't just we can't just leave food out for him. So it dispenses in little amounts through the day so that they can graze and not overeat. And now, you know, Gigi complicates that. Anyway, uh I was like I am so not having me hollering uh in my cat voice uh on this podcast recording. Oh no, that's going to be the intro this week. Oh, Give it to us. Give voice us a taste. Too. No. <laughs> I can absolutely I can uh, Okay, you want the you want the shitty grainy, you want it coming out of yes, the cedar. W- yes. Okay, I will do
2: I that. I want to hear what the cat hears. I want to feel that hunger. I want that Pavlovian response. I want to feel it. It's going to be as authentic as possible. <laughs>
1: we went and stood in the bedroom one time and we're like, I wonder if we could get the cats to come in here if we exactly replicate the feeder noise and do it three times that they absolutely came running into the bedroom thinking they were going to get fed. Uh, okay, who says cats can't be trained? Who says this is such a big divergence? They just choose and- not to be. <laughs> I have completely lost the they plot. What the us. fuck? What were we talking Final about? Fantasy, Final Fantasy? Final Fantasy, the story. the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is a fantastic story. It is extremely well written. Uh, the characters are interesting, nuanced, and well developed. The world that they have built with the sort of like geopolitical machinations of these kingdoms is interesting and well defined. Um, it's a goddamn fantastic story. I'm not done with it yet. And so I have pause in pulling the trigger because I'm just starting to get to that final fantasy. I think I know which God I'm going to be killing JRPG ass JRPG trope of like, okay, so that's God is eventually you're going to kill God. Um, you got to go to the moon first, but I'm not, yeah, but I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that that is the God or if there's like one tier above that still. So I don't know. I, I have to see how it sticks to landing to feel super comfy with it. But, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm just going to pick it anyway. I'm just going to give us our first, our first variation here. I feel, I feel like it's a good story. I stand by that, even not knowing how it ends. Uh, just throw a little spice into the mix here. Go like it. Go and file fantasy. And we're going, uh, to the next category which is uh, we're not doing that one. Uh, just a second. Skippy Dippy. We are going to best score and music. This is going to be another, another slug dude. Outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song and or licensed soundtrack. Um, yeah, it is, it is five absolutely savage candidates. We've got Alan Wake two. We've got Baldur's gate. We've got final fantasy hi-fi rush, which was sort of the indie darling of the year. Um, and Tears of the Kingdom, man, man, this is this might be the most difficult category for me. Like God, the I, I'm so steeped in the Final Fantasy soundtrack right now, but God damn, it's so good. I just had some boss fight tracks in the last couple of days that were unbelievable. But how do you pick against Zelda and how do you maybe pick against something like Alan Wake, which is so atmospheric and so key to the experience uh, in, in those games, as you pejoratively refer to them, Walking Sims, EJ. And similarly
2: to Control, there is a well-known and well-regarded uh, musical number that happens in Alan Wake 2, which I think if you have like a standout moment or a standout piece that that can like sway. The people's opinion of it. What do you got, Nick? What are the five again? So I've got I. I'm looking at my my predictions. I'm not looking at the yeah. actual uh, nominees. I've got Final Fantasy 16, Tears of the Kingdom, Hi-Fi Rush, and then I whiffed and I thought Spider-Man 2 and Star Wars Jedi Survivor were going to make the nominees. Oof. So that was uh, what Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake. Alan Wake. That's right. Yeah. So Final Fantasy 16 is really the only game on this list that I've heard people talk about the music as being like a standout feature of the game here's the kingdom obviously has a wonderful score breath of the wild had a wonderful score i don't know if that won best music in 2017 it probably didn't because persona 5 came out that year and that's probably one mm. best music or near near was f- oh my god um so i don't think it's like a shoe-in as far as oh it's goatee so goatee gets uh score music so Hi-Fi Rush is weird because it's like one of the only categories. I think it might be the only category that got a nomination in, but that was such a early release in the year, and people were like so surprised by how high quality and just fun it was, considering the developer is more well known for like a horror series with Evil Within. It's like the dude from Capcom that started Resident Evil, and they just come out with this fucking like '90s ass rhythm action game where you're just beating up dudes to the beat of like actual uh licensed music like i think the the boss music in the first uh stage is god is it uh trent reznor like i think it might be like a trent reznor song so anyway totally digressing i don't know if that really sticks as far as it's not like big and bombastic enough like, I think that's the Metal health Singer of this category. Like, oh, it's it's getting recognition because it is the music game that came out this year. It's not theatre rhythm. It's not as good as that, EJ. But it's 86. Close. <laughs> I think Hi-Fi Rush broke ninety. I think that's one of the Yeah, it's the, 90 the or 91 there.
0: It did. It did.
2: So yeah, man, it is just a this one's the first like strange sort of list of uh uh games. I'm gonna go with FF sixteen though. That's my that's my gut. Feeling on the matter. Okay. Okay. Uh, EJ. Also, Chris, I'm so sorry that FF16 didn't get nominated for game of the year because being part of the, the uh, medley.
1: I know. It's okay. People were even
2: like talking. I was like in a discord with people talking about it earlier and they're talking about like, Oh, if they do the moment, I can't remember what, what it was, but like, apparently there's like a early on, like really bombastic musical stinger with like a line. And they're saying if that's part of the medley, like they would like shit their, their pants. So, <laughs> It seems like those composers uh, know what they're doing, and that would have been great to be part of the medley.
1: I am wondering, after I literally just asked EJ to weigh in, I'm wondering if Zelda had some really good new music and some great usage of OGs. Or did especially. you watch that video I sent you? No, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Uh,. <laughs> I'm going to though. Uh, yeah. The use of like Zelda's lullaby, especially, uh, at the moment in which that happens, which if you haven't finished Tears of the kingdom or listened to our spoiler cast yet, uh, it's great. Uh, does it have enough new music to stand out from, from breath of the wild?
2: And does that matter? Does it have enough music? I mean, that being a contender, like a, something people complained about in breath of the Wild, Wild. like, Oh, there's not enough music. It's like, there's this piano twinkling during the background. It's not even really a soundtrack insert clip of EJ doing that but um, (laughs) obviously the town music and like the battle themes and like everything like it hits when it wants to. Yeah no for sure. Yeah for sure.
1: Yeah weird criticism because it's like use of silence in a score is super valid especially if that's the mood you know what I mean Um, but I get why people would go "Uh, I can listen to the Final Fantasy XVI soundtrack and feel something immediately and presently and I could listen to Breath of the Wild and be like damn this is a vibe but I did not remember a lot of that music after the fact and score and music versus sound design. That's also a separate yes, category. Yes. And we're going to talk about that. Of course, EJ, I'm so sorry. I left audio design off the original deep disrespect to you and your profession, sir. I apologize. EJ, who you got in this category?
0: Nick, you nailed it. I was going to definitely do a bit about how hi-fi was
2: the hell singer of the category near, by the way, one in 2017, the year that, uh, right. Which is what I said. Like near had a godlike soundtrack. so, it was either uh, that or, or Persona. Uh, Persona. I that know. was Persona
0: 5 that year? God, that yep. was six years ago. Um, <laughs> this is tough. I, I haven't heard anything from from half these games, but wanting to just be different and do something different, knowing that Hi-Fi Rush has the wacky, bombastic, and unlike Metal Hellsinger, which was mm, middling in its reviews, this is one of the best review games of the
1: year. So I'm going to go Hi-Fi, just kind of on a lark. I like it. I like it. Boy, the easy choice for me would be Final Fantasy. because I'm having such a damn good time with it. But uh, I, I'm feeling like Alan Wake's late momentum is just prime to steal one of these. Don't you feel that? Like it's not going to win game of the year, but that it could ride that late momentum into grabbing something like best soundtrack. Of course, I haven't heard a single fucking bit of it, uh, but I can I can feel it just based on the descriptions of this game of what it ought to be like.
0: My limited time with with Brennan watching this game, it is very clear to me that that is more about the audio design. It's about the ambiance. Given what I know about Final Fantasy historically, I wouldn't even put it up in the same category. And even with Zelda, even though Breath of the Wild, I maybe had some controversial takes about it at the time, uh, Tears of the Kingdom did a lot more with it, but it was still... You can make kind of the same argument. It's more about the uh, more about the ambiance and and being in the world and how the score sort of reflects that. But you tell me, you you fucking you're hopping up on those goddamn airships up to the the wind temple, and that fucking track is playing, and you're not just sitting there standing up like a six year old in front of the TV, fucking jacked out of your mind. Cause it Doesn't get any fucking better than
1: that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you going salsa then, bro?
0: No, I'm going. Hi- I'm I'm sticking with
2: hi-fi. No, no, no. But I'm just, I'm just saying it hangs. It fits like, it's not like a bad
1: nomination, but I just don't know if it wins.
2: I don't Uh, know either, but
1: it's not Alan Wake. Damn it. You took, you took it right, right from me. EJ. I was feeling that impulse where I went actually in the same way last year that I was like Ragnarok is best score. Elden ring is best audio design. I think that is exactly what's going to happen here. So definitely give me final fantasy 16 plus the points, uh, I think that's a cl- I think that's a clear and easy winner. I so sorry. You like six year old standing in front of TV, dude. Did, did you guys were, were any of y'all jumpers? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Josh and Joey. I don't remember me doing this and maybe they'll put me on blast. They don't fucking listen to this podcast. So, like if they listen to this episode, maybe they'll put me on blast. I don't think that this, this was me, but Josh and Joey would not only like hop out of the chair, but they would start like hopping up and down with excitement while they were playing games. Uh, and Ernie, awesome. my dear cousin, my dear cousin Ernie was like, hey, Christopher, here's something you can do. And he would come up behind them and crouch and he would wait until they were mid jump and would grab their ankles and watch them just fucking like face plant straight out of the air mid jump in the middle Jesus of playing a Super Nintendo game. Uh, Classic Ernie. Josh and Joey stopped jumping <laughs> after that. Uh,
0: <laughs> Casual child abuse is my favorite Casual thing Casual child well.
1: abuse. I mean, you it's know, dark, what's a little, what's a little knocking your cousins out of the air, uh, between cousins, cousins. I don't know how old was Ernie. Oh, I'd like two years older than me. I mean, we were all pretty oh, okay, young. Okay. like, this was like, this was not like 18 year old cousin Ernie going like, watch this and just fucking creaming us. No, it was, it was, it was, we were all of an age and okay, it was, okay. it was fine. It was fine. Um, uncle Ernie who, just beating the shit out of us. No! Cousin Cousin Ernie <laughs> best audio design um recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design uh unsurprisingly we've got a bunch of uh horror games <laughs> uh Alan Wake Dead Space RE4 we've also got Marvel Spider-Man 2 uh something we did not talk about on the podcast uh is the use of the dual sense microphone in some really gross and unsettling ways in Spider-Man 2 that whenever you would go into symbiote surge you would get like weird gurgling and growling and like guttural noises and like slurping and shit like that, that I was like, Oh, I hate this in the best way. Uh, and hi-fi rush, uh, Alan wake dead space, hi-fi Spider-Man two, Resident evil four. Uh, a number of us have already indicated. We feel like that's Alan wake, but dead space enters the chat. I feel like that also did a lot well in the same regard. Uh, what are y'all thinking? EJ
0: under normal circumstances, dead space would kind of be the go-to here. I think it probably does the most. With its atmosphere and its setting, and the way that the audio design is like so integral to even navigating the world, *Helen Wake* though just has such a unique vibe. It's hard to it's hard to imagine that voters, especially with the recency bias, I don't know. Hard to imagine the voters are gonna look at a game from ten months ago and put that above the game from. Ten days ago, or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I th- I think we're going Alan Wake here.
2: Reluctantly, yeah, Alan Wake versus two remakes. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, you're right. I hate the idea that a remake like it like diminishes the creative value.
2: There's a lot of bad. I'm sure, remakes. Resident Evil won a lot of Game of the Years in 2005.
1: There are a lot of bad remakes. I'm just saying. And EJ, I'm glad you there put are. that. I'm glad you put that opinion. On, on the record here because because I agree I do not want to diminish how fucking hard it is to remake a game and do it well uh, and to do something that makes it worth playing that game again instead of just like slapping the old GameCube disc in and and running it back uh, but definitely Alan Wake for me
2: <laughs> also yeah and it's, it's the new thing not just like literally came out this year and like was made whole cloth and was like the, the impossible sequel to a, a game that was already had a sequel canceled. Like Alan Wake two was a game that was in development like 10 years ago and then was shit canned by Microsoft. And I don't know. I think people like the underdog story of Alan Wake two and it, and it just came out like two weeks ago. So it's top of mind, obviously, which is why I got all these nominations. I think not that I think it's like not deserving, but I think it's a little bit outsized. in as far as its representation in these categories, just because of like the timing in which it came out. I think it would got a lot less
1: nominations if it came out in January, like Dead Space did. So we're Alan Wake across the board. I dig it. Moving on. Best performance. This will be an interesting one. We've already been chirping about this category in chat a little bit. Uh, we have uh, Ben Starr from Final Fantasy 16. voices uh, Clive, our protagonist, uh, Cameron Monaghan, uh, Cal Kessis from Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Idris Elba in Cyberpunk 2077. Melanie LeBird from Alan Wake 2, who's our, our dual, one of our dual protagonists. Uh, Neil Newbin from Baldur's Gate, which I'm presuming is Asterian, since so that's the only name from that game in terms of performance. It's getting circulated a lot. Uh, and Yuri Lowenthal from Spider-Man 2, who we've discussed as uh, Consensus being the definitive um, Peter Parker performance. Can I just... I am sure that Idris Elba turned in a really good performance in Phantom Liberty because Idris Elba is a really fucking good actor, but there is something about the Hollywood guy in a field of video game specific performers who perform characters in games and do that for a living coming in and like swiping, (sighs) best performance that just I just don't like it I don't like the way it makes me feel
0: also they always suck they stick out like a sore thumb like I'm sure Idris Elba was fine but you don't listen to it and be like oh my god it's a great performance You're like oh yeah that's
1: Idris Elba and Keanu Reeves that's weird it's not often done that we have likeness like that like the earliest I can remember is oh what was that uh uh was that oh uh, uh uh beyond two souls with ellen page playing is my boy bam margera in tony hawk underground, <laughs> underground yeah beyond too. two souls ellen page elliot page now um in beyond two souls is the first one that comes to mind for me of like this is a person lending their full likeness to this um and willem defoe i think too like that wall yes. he was the voice i was um, just gonna say
2: historically it's been primarily stunt casting it's more of like a marketing like Kit Harrington than and it is like Infinite Warfare or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, Call of Duty throws big bucks at everyone. They had like Kevin Spacey, and but back when he was not Forbidden Fruit, uh, yeah, it's just like a it's more of like a budget flex and a hey, check it out. Here's something that the Normies can see and be like, oh, 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 you know, fucking point at the screen like uh Leo DiCaprio, but I don't know. I mean, I haven't. I haven't played the game, so I don't know how good Idris Elba's performance actually was, or I don't know. I mean, Cameron Monaghan is just the, the goober that played the Joker in that CW's show. I mean, just because he oh it, god, isn't famous he like is. Idris Elba, like doesn't mean that he's not just like an actor trying to get work.
0: We, this man was on like one of the most popular television shows for like a decade. Like, give the man some respect, okay? Oh my like, god,
1: he was on Gotham.
0: Holy shit, yeah, he was. But give the man some fucking respect. That man is accomplished and very good at his job. Fucking the Joker,
1: and he doesn't need he doesn't need this win either because Cal Kestis is going to come to a Disney Plus Star Wars. Problem property sooner than later I guarantee uh, goddamn it so he's going to have his he's going to have his I wouldn't worry about like the flowers for any of these actors like it's just like
2: cool you know let's let's award the people who apparently did the best job I don't know I mean I haven't played any of these games so I I can't really speak with any authority obviously I mean look at this entire list of games and we've maybe collectively played a dozen of them which is still a lot but like come on um Personally, I think this is going to go to our boy Ben Starr for FS16 because he did the PR beat around quote-unquote E3 this year and became everybody's podcast best friend. So I think that's going to earn him a lot of uh, hearts and minds when it comes to the voting population. Damn. That that's is a just good, me.
0: That's a good point. The cynic in me thinks that this is probably going to go to the female minority on this list because the Game Awards... They love making a big deal about that, especially after, was it last year where they were criticized for not having any women on stage? Um, again, that's the cynic in me, not saying she doesn't deserve it. I don't know. I don't know if her performance was good. Um, I think it's noteworthy that she's on this list and the dork who plays her opposite, who is awful, is not on this list, rightfully so. So I don't know. Part of me feels like you, know, you have the kind of funnies of the world looking at this list and Yeah, you know, that's kind of where their mind's going to go. I'm going to go with the hard pick, Yuri. He's not going to win, but I'm just going with the hard pick. That's Peter Parker. He's really good. He was one of the few things about that game that was really above uh, expectation, I think. I don't know. I'm just going to go with the hard pick. Fuck it. That's a good pick. It's a good pick. I don't want to just copy Nick. I'm like, well, if he wins, I win.
1: Yeah, It's a a great performance. I think that was definitely a a highlight from that game, for sure. Uh, Definitely give me Ben Starr. Give me Final Fantasy. He's been great. And I I said this, those are my first, first things that I sent to y'all when I started playing is I cannot believe that I get to enjoy a Final Fantasy game in part because of the performances and not in spite of the performances, which have been uniformly awful since we got Titus's (laughs) on the PlayStation 2. Um... God help me! Hey, that. that's Yuri Lowenthal that you're talking about. Is it really? Wow. Yes, yes it wow. is. Wow, it's amazing. Wow.
2: Wait, actual full circle? Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, he played Titus, and he also is the prince Tidus? from Peterborough. <laughs> yeah, it's pronounced Titus. I don't know, man. I'm sorry. Tidus? I not I don't make the pronunciations. Okay. <laughs> I just.
1: It's Titus, isn't
2: it? As in the tides, Titus. No, I'm go. No, no way. It's also I don't know what language it's based on, but it's supposed to be uh, the sun and Yuna is the moon, not the not the tides, even though he does play a sport in the water. but yeah, it's Titus. it's Titus.
0: Oh no <laughs> oh no Titus is so much cooler. <laughs> it means sun in Okinawan dialect, just as Yuna means moon.
1: What up? <laughs> the first hit on Reddit, the first hit on Reddit said it's pronounced Meg Ryan in quotes. <laughs> It's <laughs> I love his hair, dude. I love that. <laughs> uh it says bless you Nomura, bless you. Decidia and Kingdom Hearts they pronounce it Titus in Kingdom Hearts 2, Selfie uh calls him Titus. That's a Disney joint. That's not canon. But does the original Japanese say Ketshi or Kate Sith. Like I don't know. I don't know, man. But anyway, hair. anyway, Diatitus. We we're moving on. <laughs> Wait, so what do we, so you guys both took Ben Starr? Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah Ben Starr. He's he's outstanding. Uh and he has a lot more and a lot better material to work with than Yuri did in this uh Cornball Spider-Man script. Uh okay. And playing in three different time periods as well. Yeah. Uh okay, innovation and accessibility. Innovation and accessibility. Uh recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. Uh the nominees are Diablo 4, Forza Motorsport, Hi-Fi Rush, Spider-Man 2, Mortal Kombat 1, and Street Fighter 6. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Outside of Spider-Man's accessibility options, which are many and which are excellent, uh, I don't know a thing about any of these other games' accessibility options. So i need y'all to uh, help me out here. I will pitch in
2: the one thing that I saw, and that was when Forza was coming out, there is a well-known YouTuber who goes by The Blind Gamer, and he does uh, work consulting with video game developers to help their accessibility options, uh, especially for vi- the visually impaired. And he said that he could play that game, and he is legally blind. And just through the audio cues and the the uh, steps they took to make it accessible. So like that's one that had at least a marketing beat that got through to me. So yeah, I think it's probably between that and Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, I lean forth to it here, even though what Spider-Man does is is plentiful. I mean, there are so many accessibility options. But when I think of accessibility, I don't necessarily just think about it from the lens of like a, a lazy gamer who's like, "Let me turn on hints and make myself invulnerable and make swinging easier and yada yada yada." It's like it's exactly it. And how is somebody who is impaired? how can they enjoy an audio visual medium if they are not able to experience audiovisual things the way that we can. And so to me, the logical answer would be Forza. If you can play a game and you literally can't see they're doing something right. So to me, it, it should be Forza. Spider-Man, you know, they've got the audio descriptions and, you know, they've even got, you can turn on and off certain frequencies in the audio, like depending on like, your
2: sensitivity or if you've got hearing impairment of some kind, like, I, I do want to just be on record again, like I say this every single year we talk about this, but I think it is really cool that Jeff does highlight these games that are taking strides towards accessibility and allowing people with impairments to uh, enjoy the hobbies that we we do with like little trouble. So I think, yeah, that's always uh, something to be applauded and yeah, it's, it is weird that Spider-Man being a sony first party it's like almost old hat at this point like oh yeah obviously the sony first party games have awesome accessibility they've been like making a point of doing that since what horizon i think every single first party like big sony tentpole game has had just huge swaths of options and video audio uh, more text descriptions text size the thing that is expensive and hard to do they make a priority to put the money in and put the time in to actually do it so like kudos to them but also what have you done for me lately what's the innovation i guess maybe that that like knocks it in some weird way but and how much do they do they beat their chest about it how much do they make it known that this game is accessible because unless you are someone who does need those things maybe you're not looking into it unless you're trying to like pop an easy platinum by highlighting all the things you got to collect you know like maybe that's your best case Use case. I know I've
0: talked about multiple times when accessibility comes up. I I talk about my friend in fifth grade who had a stroke. Jacob almost lost all of his ability on his left side. And was it left side? Anyway, w- one of his sides. He lost complete use of his arm and would still kick my ass at like fucking Mario Kart and Smash Bros. and shit. He's using the... Nick, I always joke about the Mr. Shock, the fucking claw, you know, with the on his one hand to, to with the thumb and the pinky to, like, reach things on the controller. Like, Spider-Man has an option, for example, where you can change the game speed all the way down to, like, 30%, I think, which is, like, crazy. Like, that's, that's kind of wacky. And stuff like that, I think back to, like, if games were this convoluted and my friend, who has one appendage to play a fucking video game with... Like how some of those things like even just changing the game speed so that he could maneuver two sides of a controller without like, you know, in real time where things are completely crazy and maybe unfeasible. I think without really specific hardware for very specific use cases, it's hard to be like, oh, our game is super accessible to like this wide array of potential impairments. Um, So, yeah, it's diminishing returns with these new games. But you know, they have all the standard stuff, the screen readers and the audio descriptions and, you know, the colorblind options. All these things that are pretty standard. Forts is probably gonna win this, but do I just go Spider Man again just to just cause I actually have played
2: that game? I see I'm getting away from the I need to beat you guys and into the heart picks here. I don't know. I think it is I think it is what have the voters played as well. I think Spider Man clearly is the most popular game on this list and has the most readily apparent um accessibility options. Isn't it? I think I remember someone saying this on a podcast, but it like it pops up with those uh, things before you even can start the game. Like it says, "Hey, do you want to have your subtitles on? What size do you want them? All that kind of stuff." The things that you know they they sort of have QA tested into the ground as being like these are the things that most people change before they start the game. This is where you invert your y-axis and you turn subtitles on. Like that's the things that they they say are the most important. Change your brightness, your gamma settings, and then whether or not you want audio descriptions. Also, I think it's very front facing. Programming in a
0: shortcut system specifically for use on the D pad makes it a lot easier for people who are using third party hardware to map certain things to shortcuts without having to sacrifice more conventional controls. Like, it's not like, oh, now my X has to be this thing to make this work. It's like, no, there's a shortcut system built in so your X can stay X. You know, your triangle could stay triangle without having to completely get crazy and hope that the. The baked-in customization options on the console will do enough for what you need it to do, et cetera. So more options are always a good thing.
1: So I'm here in Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I'm gonna do Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah, Spider-Man. Um, Nick taking Spider-Man as well. I think Forza's top of mind for a lot of people too. Coming out of last year or two years ago, that whichever Forza release or Forza Horizon release had had like full performed uh, ASL subtitling for every single piece of spoken dialogue, like. They, I think that that (laughs) has earned them a lot of goodwill. So I, I'm, I'm sort of feeling like a lot of people go, Oh, Forza, they did the ASL thing. Maybe give their, give them their vote again. Uh, I think also with the description of this category that it's, it's, uh, features technology and content. I think about in, uh, Spider-Man 2 the, uh, side mission where he plays Haley, uh, and the audio design in that uh, mission, uh, Haley, who is a, who is a a deaf person, a hearing impaired person um, in the Spider-Man universe, I guess, uh, was really interesting um, and gave folks a chance to experience audio uh, orally what that is like for someone who is hearing impaired uh, was really cool. That was a standout for me in terms of the uh, side quests, which were very good. So I'm going to go Spidey as well, and also just add that this is literally just a seat warmer until Sony drops their accessibility controller next year, and it unquestionably wins at 2024. And they have, it's it's really clear in the language, software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward. That's going to be it next year. I wonder if they
2: changed that back when Xbox did their accessibility controller. What was that, 2019? Can't remember. It was a little while ago. And your accessible game of the year goes to this
1: Xbox controller that is always out of stock. (laughs) Like, okay, that's weird. Innovation in accessibility. It's very specifically phrased. Uh, all right, we're moving on to another one of these. Uh, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate this. This is important categories, uh, games for impact thought provoking game with a pro social meaning or message. A uh, bunch of bunch of titles. Name the game you've heard of. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, So, A Space for the Unbound, Chance of Senar, Goodbye, Volcano High, Chia, Terranil, and Venba. I've heard of three of these games, Uh, those being Chia, Terranil, and uh, Venba. I am wondering which uh, y'all are aware of or have some cognizance of and uh, the potential significance of those. I'm a sicko. I've heard of all of them.
2: I think it's going to go to a space for the unbound because it is the most popular game and it is the highest rated game.
1: Well, tell me about that.
2: It is a period uh, drama. I think it takes place in the Philippines. I might be getting that confused with another Southeast Asian uh, island country. So take that for what it's worth, but it's like a uh, nineties coming of age story and it's got some like time travel shenanigans and it's like a walking not walking sim but it's like a god what are those not graphic novels visual novels it's like a visual novel adventure-y kind of game where you're you're meeting people they're asking you to do things you go find the thing you click on the thing and you, you go bring it somewhere and then you get a cool heartfelt heartwarming story to to make you feel something for the first time in your 30s do not
0: underestimate the furry's ability to infiltrate things that we actually like and care about. Uh, go ball with a can of high. What did what? What what I just say? <laughs> Am EJ, I having a stroke? EJ just had a stroke. Fuck, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's a space for the unbound. <laughs> for sure. Hey, listen, Terra Nil, Save the environment, bro. Best mobile game of the year, Terra <laughs> Nil. Oh, it had just to be solid said. 82. That's a whole dollar's worth of video gaming right there. Had to be said. Had to be said. If only Brennan had spent not $10 on Mineco and save some of that money that he saved on Terranil. He may have been able to beat Chris,
1: but alas, if wishes were fishes, I don't know how that saying ends, but Brandon could get third. Uh, but in this case, he is not, uh, yeah, look, I mean, I don't, I don't know any of these and I don't want to be a same Z and just do exactly what you're all doing. But, um, Venba was that uh, um, cooking game where you play a
2: child of an immigrant uh, family from India and you're Canadian and it's the coming of age story of like, oh, I want to do Canadian stuff because all my friends are, we're living in Canada and I don't want to embrace the culture of how I'm being raised and how that impacts a person. One of those, here's a story about my life and we made a video game about it. Seems very cool. People really liked it. Chance of Sinar. Um I think that was the game that was like very heavily based around language and like there is an in-game language that you are decoding and then using to solve puzzles. Um and you'd have to read the other ones for me to recall what those are all about, but Terranilla I actually have no idea what Terranilla is. I just know it's in the league and like EJ said environment good do not kill environment please. It's it's a tale as old as Final Fantasy VII. am I right? It's about restoring
0: uh, the ecosystem of the world.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Anyway, anyway,
1: what's next? What's next? Yeah, I'm just going to put Unbound and move on. All right, we are rolling. We are rolling right ahead to Best Ongoing Game, a category I desperately wish we did not include because of my anathema for almost all of these titles. Uh, Apex Legends, Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. Um, I don't know. I I feel like Fortnite is just a shambling corpse at this point that a lot of It has had its highest uh, number of
2: players this past like week because they did the the return to the OG Island, go
1: back to Oh my god. I listen, I'm not the guy. I'm not the <laughs> I'm not the fucking guy for this category, but I'm just gonna I'm taking Cyberpunk on account of it just dropped an absolutely like goaded tier expansion. Uh, that rectified a lot of things that people were still upset about from one of the most infamous releases in modern gaming history. So I'm just going to take Cyberpunk and get it out of the way because I just can't stand so many of these games. It's just This is not my category. I'm a single-player boy, BOI. I'm taking Cyberpunk. I'm moving on. Y'all maybe have more informed opinions. Go for it. I hesitate to
0: personally want to reward a company like CD Projekt Red who scammed a lot of people out of a lot of money and then spent years fixing their game and then selling it to the players. Again, don't totally love that idea, but a lot of companies would have just abandoned their shitty game and taken their money and run. So at least they stuck with it and they fixed it and turned it into the game. It should have always been. So from that perspective, I think like, yeah, that has a shot at winning. People were really stoked on the DLC this year. It certainly evolved the player experience. And I know they did things to the core game that uh, were a part of a free update, but I don't like the idea of, hey, pay us twice and maybe we'll fix our game. So uh, this is kind of a crapshoot. Fortnite could win. People are hot to try on Genshin Impact, fucking weeb game that's on phones and every other system on demand. So I just want to talk about this category specifically so that we could... Temper the uh, conversation about, you know, everyone's dick writing CD Projekt Red right now and praising them for fixing their game. But to me, that's like the base, that's the bare minimum. We shouldn't be applauding them for doing what they should have done the whole time, whether it's a good game or not, whether those people are, I'm sure they're fine people. I'm sure that's a fine company. Who fucking cares? Like, this is their job. They should have done this. So I just didn't want this to, you know, slip into the conversation about, oh, wow. They've done so much for their
2: community. Well, that's a different category. It's community support. <laughs> best ongoing, <laughs> Which is hilarious. But yeah, best ongoing. It's obviously going to be Cyberpunk. I mean, what have you done for me lately? <sighs> and I I hate came that. Out, and everyone decided to re reevaluate the game and like, oh, it's actually playable now. It finally came out of early access. Congratulations, CD Projekt Red, on
1: your big success. What's your pick then, EJ? It seems like ethically and uh, uh, on principle, you can't choose Cyberpunk. So I guess you're gonna have to maybe go with shit. He's morally opposed. Oh my god, I can't believe that. that Vote blue, no matter who. (laughs) I cannot believe that worked. I'm putting Genshin down. We're moving on.
0: I mean, come on, what are we, what are we praising them
2: for, man? Content that evolves the player experience over time. I just, uh, yeah, it evolved from being a broken, shitty mess into being a good game. Chris, No Man's Sky won block that one your year.
0: I, knew, I was just gonna say, Chris, block your ears because No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky is not a good game. People are just stockholmed into liking it because it's better than it was six
1: years ago. It's not good. It's just better. Okay, there's a big difference. I didn't play it at launch, so I that I, I appreciate you looking out for my virgin ears, but I, I did not have the, <laughs> oh my God, it's better now experience. I jumped in and was just like, this is cool. This is cool, but I'm, you know, ADHD as fuck and you can shoot lasers at rocks and then build a house. Yeah, I have compulsive <laughs> tendencies, so I was like, I'm going to mine like 10,000 units of emerald or whatever and just feel sickly satisfied with myself. Uh, Okay. That one's in the can. Uh let's move on to best community support, recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity and game updates slash patches. Uh the categories, Baldur's Gate 3, nominees, excuse me. Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk, Destiny 2. Ha <laughs> 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 Who? <laughs> Who did this? <gasps> who did this? Oh my oh. god. That shit's funny. That I, I'm i so glad you laughed because I was like, I'm not going to be able to hold it together <laughs> through that one. Uh, uh, Final Fantasy XIV and No Man's Sky. Um, Oh my god. So, We're sorry
2: that Destiny 2 won. Everyone who would have accepted this award was fired last week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Woof. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what this is, honestly. Like, I... <sighs> we're patting people on the back for like communicating with their player base, which should be like bare minimum. I don't know. I'm tempted to give it to final fantasy 14. Cause it's the only one of, or Baldur's gate, I guess. Although what the fuck have they done? Like the game just came out. Or is that the point that it's like, this has been an early access for like, fucking forever it's the early access and listening to fan feedback and and making the things
2: that were pain points better in the final release oh then
1: give me that easy easily give me that otherwise i was gonna be like i'm gonna give it to final fantasy 14 on principle because those other three games were garbage fires at various points of their uh iterations yeah give me Baldur's gate Baldur's gate has not been out long enough early access e.g. it's been early access for two or three years yeah man forever it came out in 2020 long time what did you not know this? This has been like th- this game has been yeah, has been in early access forever. And they I spent a That's no why it wasn't idea. eligible in our league, EJ. <laughs> they spent a wow. ton, a ton of time refining this based on the feedback from early access.
2: Okay, Bullish Kid's gonna win. Because the game's broken into three chapters, three acts, and like act one was playable from the drop. Like it's from starting early access, and it was like a full fledged game, and they're like, hey. You can buy this it'll be cheaper right now in early access and you can like provide your feedback. Every time we do an update it's going to completely kill your save and because things are going to change and it's going to be irre- irrevocably damaged and you can't like play from where you were cuz it's going to be different. And people were still like, yeah, you know, we'll we'll do it cuz we trust you Larian and we know you'll listen to our feedback and like make the fixes that are necessary and you won't you know, just shit out a bad product. And lo and behold, they didn't shit out a bad product.
0: Then it's Baldur's Gate easily, and if Cyberpunk even sniffs this award, I will personally find
2: Jeff Keeley. You will ask <laughs> Jeff Keeley about <laughs> Bill Clinton specifically,
1: specifically. Well, we're moving on from that. Uh, God, that's going to be so funny. I would love to watch this on Discord together. Just as an aside, have one of y'all stream it because my internet's not going to hack it. And just we post do it most years,
0: yeah. Let's do it. I don't think I did last year because I went to a Blazer game. I think that was the, the Denver game where we lost on a Jamal Murray oh, uh, dagger three right there at the, yeah. the the walk-off three. Anyway, that was when our season turned. After
1: Dame hit the walk-off three and we're like, that's it. Yep. It's
2: over. Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Yep. What a game to be at. Uh, what's it? December 7th?
2: Yes. Friday. I'm in town, Nick. I'm in town. December 7th. Chris, you're not going to be. Oh, it's Thursday night. uh, Chris, you're not going to be here by then, will you?
1: No, no, no. I won't be there by then. Um I could get my belated wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man then. Yeah. If y'all gonna a, uh, there there you all are going to watch us straight up, go. we could do a call. EJ there can come go. over, we can be goofy. Best independent game for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publishing system. We got some we got some titles this year. Uh we have Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Dredge, Sea of Stars, and Viewfinder. Uh and in spite of some Strong titles to me, it's Sea of Stars world and we're just living in it. How do y'all feel? Tough category. I do want to throw it out there early that
2: Dave the Diver is not an independent game. It is made by Nexon, a giant, giant company. We (laughs) had such an argument about this last year trying to define what is an indie game. It just is forever the conversation. What does it mean to be an independent game? Is being published by Devolver Digital is being owned by Devolver Digital mean you're an indie game?
1: Maybe not. Yeah, it's a tough category. Cocoon is good. Let me let me articulate my thought process here. Besides the fact that Sea of Stars, I think, is the most highly rated game of all of these. Uh, fact check. I think Dave, the that. That be, Dave the diver might be higher. Dave the diver might be higher. Dave is ninety. Uh, I I feel like Sea of Stars just is on a lot of people's lips. The Chrono Trigger connection. Uh, the fact that this was like kickstarted and was in the ether for a couple of years and it dropped to great acclaim. Uh, and also with regards to Cocoon, which is another strong candidate, this happened last year, right? That we're like, okay, if if a, if a game is nominated for Best Indie and Best Debut Indie, and we feel like uh, it's the, the same game in both categories, and it's the winner that it should win both categories, right? And that was not the case last year, that they gave it to two different games in order to recognize two different independent studios. I feel like that's the same here. I'd look to something other than Sea of Stars in debut indie because this is this studio's second outing. Uh, what is it? Uh, Sabotage Studios' second outing. Um, I'm taking Sea Stars. Quick, quick and easy, man. Like, that's... I know about this game. I don't know shit about shit when it comes to new games. That's why I lose the league every fucking year and Nick wins the league every fucking year. In my mind, if you asked me what the best indie
0: game of the year was, like I would have just said Sea of Stars. It was also fucking free for everybody at launch which is absolutely insane.
2: I want to say all of these games were on one service or another. I want to say Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Dredge and Sea of Stars are all launched on Game Pass and I think Viewfinder launched on PS Plus. Sea of Stars launched on both. That's true. Yeah, Sea of Stars did both, which is weird. It's you think crazy. that they would like lock that down, right? That's like part of the deal. Like, hey, you're going to be on our service because we want people to get our service, but can we be on another service? Uh, yes. <laughs> sure I guess <laughs> what won last year best indie game last
0: year was Stray Stray, and then best debut was also Stray no same th- same game same
2: game and it was also voted for it was nominated for Goaty too wasn't it? it weirdly yes hilariously I mean Xenoblade was nominated for Goaty and like that's like obviously I, I love that game I don't know if it fit that sort of uh, that category but also 2022 not as strong of a year as 2023 awful awful I think it's strange that Larian didn't get a nomination for Baldur's Gate 3 for independent game because they are an independent studio outside of the traditional publisher system. But I guess it doesn't doesn't hang as being a pixel art game or whatever. I guess that's like one of the only distinctions that has to be a 2D top down or well, pixel stray, art game.
1: At Stray, <laughs> that was neither of those
2: things. No, but you play as a cat with a dedicated meow button. <laughs> So, what do y'all got? Insert clip of Chris yelling at his cat to eat some food. Do <laughs> know eat your dinner. Um, I'm going to go, I think, I think the most people played Dave the Diver, but I don't know if, I'll go with Dave the Diver just to uh, shake it up and not just be picking the same thing you guys pick, but I think Sea of Stars obviously has a great chance of winning as well. EJ, what you got?
0: Oh, Sea of Stars, for sure. I'm looking at debut indie already. Yeah, I know. Best indie is Sea of Stars.
1: I didn't want to presume when you said that's the first of mine. I thought maybe you had more Uh, debut indie uh, some overlap. This is for the debut game created by a new independent studio, which again, what that means. Yeah. So we have (laughs) cocoon, which affiliated in some capacity with Annapurna, which is obviously not a fucking debut studio. Uh, We've got dredge. Uh, and Viewfinder, all of which were nominated in Best Indie Overall. We also have Pizza Tower and uh, Venba, which is back in uh, Games for Impact. Um, this is where I look to something like Cocoon, uh, which was kind of a smash hit. It was also like late summer, early fall. So it's got that recency thing going on, although that's true of Viewfinder as well. And that was a very social media friendly game with some of the early footage of that circulating. People go, whoa, what is this? Like, that's awesome. Um, I don't know. I don't know. EJ, you said you've been ruminating on this already. Thoughts oh, it's here? it's
0: Cocoon. It's the highest rated game here by a, a pretty decent margin. Historically, them sort of splitting this vote so as to not double up, which is weird. The consistency uh, from these voters is
1: maddening. But um, yeah, the, this will be Cocoon. Yeah, that's probably my pick too. Uh, for the same reason. Um, very highly rated. It's got the Annapurna bump. People are like, oh, Annapurna, uh, myself included. Uh, Nick, what do you think? It's Cocoon. Most people played it of these games.
2: Viewfinder, maybe second, but I think Cocoon is a stickier kind of game. Pizza
0: Tower being on this list is fucking hilarious.
2: It's awesome. Also, a game that has not gotten
1: enough reviews on Open Critic to get a score. Hilarious. Oh, that's interesting. Um, all right. So, we're through a lot of the weeds. My friends, and we're now into some a lot more clear-cut categories where we're not gonna have any more sort of like semantic conversations, like will does this belong here? Um so genres. Genres. Give me the genres. Genre. <laughs> yes, thank you, Trebek. Genre. <laughs> genre. <laughs> uh best action game for the best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat. This is a fucking hilarious category to me, uh, with a yes. lot of these. Um Armored Core Six. Uh, Dead Island 2, which are you fucking kidding me? Like people were struggling to think of an action game.
2: That was drafted year. in the whammy
1: league. <laughs> like, holy shit. Uh Ghost Runner 2, also not reviewed well. Hi-Fi Rush, uh, and Remnant 2, which I am admittedly not familiar with. Um, I feel like Hi-Fi's probably a quick, a quick candidate uh for this, unless Armored Core gets the the Fromsoft bump. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, can we really quick just talk about the snubbery of not having
2: Super Mario Wonder in the best action game category—that's definitely not an action game.
0: I was gonna say, how do you? I mean, why is Spider-Man not in best action game category?
2: Because it's an action adventure, but yeah, Mario is only action. I think focused primarily on combat is is a choice as far as their description goes. But like, what genre category would Mario fit in that isn't family game? This one.
1: Family game isn't a genre, Chris. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Sure it is. It's as much... No, that's as, the best Nintendo game. It's as much... It's as, <laughs> well, That's fucking funny. It's as much a genre as action versus action adventure is as a semantic piece of bullshittery. Like... No, action adventure is when you have a, an inventory. <laughs> give me best platformer, and that's where Mario belongs. But no, Mario is not an action game, and if they're not going to have a best platformer category, which is just going to be, like, best Nintendo game anyway... Most years. I don't think an action game needs to have combat to be action-based.
2: Jumping is an action. All you do is action. <laughs> That's every game. Alan
1: Wake has no, walking. It's not. That's action.
2: Final Fantasy has movies. That's not action. It's an action movie. Checkmate. I was actually thinking that uh, Final Fantasy would fit in action. Is mm. that an action
1: adventure? No, it's an RPG. It's an action
2: RPG, but it is a heavily action RPG.
1: This game has that that's just wrong i'm sorry like this game has such a deeply customizable field of like abilities loadouts weapons and inventory so like, does armored core
2: six fires a rubicon action game of the year
1: do you level up at armored core i'm saying armored,
2: i'm saying uh, yeah armored core six is taking the best action game people love sucking from software dick and this is the only category in which they'll have the opportunity to do so in mass
1: yeah it's armored core sorry hi-fi rush uh i'm taking hi-fi I think that by every, by every appeal to authority metric, that is a better received and better reviewed game. Uh, it probably won't win, but I, I object to a From Software bump for a game that is not metrically considered to be better than other games.
0: It's uh, unfortunate that Hi-Fi Rush shadow dropped their 90 fucking... It dropped to 89, but they shadow dropped this in January. Like, what a fucking terrible idea. And maybe maybe it wouldn't have gotten 110 reviews on Open Critic if it had dropped in November, but but sales numbers weren't even a consideration because it dropped on Game Pass, so it's like they're not getting sales anyway. I just don't understand. I don't understand the logic, the arithmetic that goes into these decisions.
1: No, I'm with it. Uh, moving into action adventure, uh, which per the, the, per the description, <laughs> yeah, I know, combines combat with traversal <laughs> and puzzle solving. The nominees are blah 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 blah. Tears of the Kingdom. Let's move on.
2: Yeah, Alan Wake and Resident Evil. I mean, it's, it's tough because obviously there's no like you can't have a, a genre category for every genre possible because there are years where there's not a, a bunch of horror games and you get like the weird sort of combo categories like best driving or sports game. The, the two genres that are like each other, best simulation slash uh what something else, something for the boring gamers out there for the strategy. Yeah, strategy. That's what it is. So, I mean, obviously, you can't have everything belonging somewhere, but action-adventure. EJ, when you were watching Brendan play (laughs) Alan Wake 2, were you thinking, wow, this is an action-adventure? God, no. Puzzles!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Puzzles! Traversal! (laughs) That boy do be walking. (laughs) Walking is traversal. I'm traversing this room very slowly with a flashlight.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) It's a real damn shame to me that this is combat with traversal and puzzle-solving, because you look at combat and traversal Spider-Man is S tier all the way and takes the cake and beats all of these games eh, puzzle solving. And then you start taking all those environmental puzzles and turning them into fucking nightmare machines that you can fly across Hyrule. And you're like, okay, it's definitely Zelda.
1: <laughs> I was going to say like traversal uh, puzzle solve. I mean the, the sheer, the sheer amount of shit that you could do in tears of the Kingdom. I mean, we all know, we all know. Best RPG. They define RPG. This is interesting to me. Merriam Webster's dictionary defines <laughs> an yeah, RPG. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you, high school speech and debate <laughs> candidate. I I love that for you. Um best game designed with a uh, rich player character customization and progression, including massively multiplayer experiences. Yeah, oh, I, I I I kinda I, I kinda like this that it's it's like you need to for me for it to be considered an RPG. There needs to be an element of customization that is more than superficial, uh, and there needs to be a clear sense of progression based on the accrual of some kind of thing or other. Obviously, Final Fantasy Zelda for best RPG has no progression or customization outside of costumes, which its biggest flaw. And you can also cook food to do all the same. Look, like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. How in the goddamn
0: shit is Lies of P here as an RPG but not nominated an action game? I haven't even said the nominees yet. I, I, I'm, I'm angry about it. And how is Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Future Redeemed not on here? That's longer than any game on this fucking list except for Baldur's Gate. How
2: is that possible? The only expansions allowed in Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards TM are the ones that have Idris Elba in them. It's... it's uh, how on. did you forget?
1: How, how long is Future Redeemed? Like 20, 25 hours? Yeah, I get that. I was like, Final Fantasy is 115 hours. How long to beat to a platinum trophy?
0: When I said this list, I wasn't looking at the nominees. I was looking at the top 20 fucking reviewed games of the year. And I'm like, Future Redeemed is longer
1: than most of these. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So we've got Baldur's Gate, Final Fantasy, Lies of Peace, Sea of Stars, and Starfield, which I think is their only nomination. Maybe one of two nominations. Uh this is another, like, blah, 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 Baldur's Gate category, as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. Like, obviously, it's going to be Baldur's Gate. Uh, but I did think yeah. it was interesting to have this on here just for some of the... What, what is an RPG? Uh Yeah. Lies of P does stand out, though. It's like, people
2: did really like that game. And it yeah. is Bloodborne, which is an RPG. And I think that's the connection. I think they're like, what's an RPG that came out this year? Well, we can't do Octopath Traveler two. That game was too good and too far away. So let's do the new thing
1: instead. If Bloodborne is an RPG, you would agree Final Fantasy sixteen is an RPG, then? Uh, seriously? How? I mean, uh, words don't mean anything. Yeah, I, I, I think sometimes that certain sects of people, and by certain sects of people, I mean garden variety JRPG fans present company, obviously excluded as you're both much more discerning than a lot of those fucking weeb ass motherfuckers, uh, really try and tie a lot of frankly outdated ideas about what makes an RPG, uh, to what they think they should be forever. And there was a, a small but vocal subset of people that bitched a lot about the move, uh, that already had happened in final fantasy 15 for the record, Uh, but to a full commitment to being an action RPG that we saw in Final Fantasy 16. And I'm like, listen, (laughs) this game is deep and broad and ways that I cannot wait to talk about with Brandon on this podcast. Maybe as early as next week, question mark, maybe two weeks out. We'll see.
0: If I I have to endure a conversation between you and Brandon about Final Fantasy before I get to talk about Super Mario Wonder. I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind.
1: We could talk wonder next week. We say ain't got time to talk to talk wonder deep today. <laughs> we got too much oh, sure. to talk about. Today. We're, at, we're at two hours already. <laughs> uh, we are. We are. Uh, all right. We're moving on. Obviously, Bald, Baldur's Gate is going to be best RPG. Yes. Um, best fighting game, which is another category I desperately ha. wanted to cut <laughs> that you would not let me. Uh, God of Rock. I don't fucking clue what that is. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. Pocket Bravery. Don't fucking clue what that is. And uh, Street Fighter Six seems like another slam, slam dunk for me. With uh, uh, SF Six, head and shoulders review better than Mortal Kombat One, let alone the absolute abortion that was the Mortal Kombat One Switch port. Hilarious! Yeah, EJ's got shout a shout out thought.
0: to God of Rock. got of Rock is tight as fuck. Didn't you pick that in the Whammy League? It's not good, <laughs> but I'm glad. Shout it's, out! I'm glad it's on this list. I picked you for a reason. Gotta Rock was one of those things where everyone was like, oh my god, this is going to be a sleeper hit. And I was like, no, this is going to be a fucking whammy for sure. But shout out for doing what you want to do with this game. Um, yeah, Mortal Kombat, man. I know. It's definitely SF6, but can we talk about how we've gotten two Nickelodeon fighting games in the last two year or five years? That's fucking tight. Nickelodeon.
2: They put wave dashing in the first one. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> they forgot. They couldn't get voice actors for the game, but they put wave dashing in. And that is a commitment to something that i i respect and fear <laughs> listen imagine pulling off the wombo
0: fucking combo with garfield like, it like just... the
2: wombo combo <laughs> <laughs> the wombo
0: combo that's topical yeah. let's go i love it okay this is uh street fighter let's get on to the next game <laughs> in this nick you might you might take
2: mortal Kombat. no, you, no <laughs> i won't take that bet no no bait
1: uh, best family game for the best Nintendo. No, sorry, for the best uh, game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. Nicholas, uh, we have Disney Illusion Island. Irrespective <laughs> of genre, yeah, it's it, not a genre. It's not a Chris. genre. <laughs> it's a genre. Uh, Disney Disney Illusion Island. Shout out to that ill-fated fucking pickup. Uh Party Animals, hilarious. Uh Pikmin 4, Sonic Superstars, and Mario Bros. Wonder. G I wonder what that's gonna be. Uh shout out Pikmin though with two nominations. We haven't got to the other category. Hey yet. man, I totally like
2: almost 360 no scope this category for my predictions. The only thing I missed was Sonic. I put Spider Man two in my pick instead.
1: Two what? But,
2: yeah. You murdered so- somehow in getting that game. Disney Illusion Island and Party Animals like deep cuts that <laughs> nice. don't
1: belong in an awards category that is clearly going to just Mario and nothing else. I appreciate the inclusion of illusion Island though, because of the fact that everything is based on uh traversal and platforming and uh not combat, which is something that like, uh, you know, families who may not want to introduce their kids to quote unquote violent content. Like, I don't know. Pikmin's got some spooky shit in it, man. Um, but it's just like a real wholesome, good time. Um, yeah, but this is obviously blah, 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 wonder. Shout out Pikmin, though, and shout out Sonic. Trying to make a comeback. That game did not review well, though. Who'd have thought that doing Sonic no. in cooperative would be really shitty and bad? And also making it bad. Uh, best sim strategy. Focus on real-time or turn play- turn-based simulation or strategy gameplay, irrespective of platform. Uh, we got a couple contenders in here. Uh, we've got the Advance Wars uh, 1 and 2 reboot. Uh, City Skylines. Boy, I forgot that came out this year. Yeah, right. Like what a what a crazy fever dream of a year it's been. And with that game, especially getting kicked down the line forever. Uh, City Skyline 2, Company of Heroes 3, Pikmin 4, and everybody's favorite gacha game. Fire Emblem Engage for legal purposes. That's a joke. I know what a fucking gacha game is. You sure about that? Company of Heroes. Pikmin's and- got a good shot. I, I think it's Pikmin. I think that Fire Emblem v Pikmin is is the battle here, but I think Engage really just kind of arrived with a whimper in a way that Pikmin. Yeah, did it came not. and went
2: without much uh, staying power. Uh, Pikmin, on the other hand, is it just keeps growing as far as the the love for it and the the outreach this is the best selling Pikmin game. I mean, that's like just par for the course as far as video games that launch on the Switch, but. Pikmin 4 isn't going to hang in best family against Super Mario, but it can definitely take down City Skylines, which is like enjoyed by the fan base, but also derided because they, before the game even came out, they're like, sorry, this game does not meet our standards as far as how it performs. We have to put it out anyway. We're not saying this because we're, we have a gun held to the back of our head by our publisher, but you don't buy this game immediately. We're going to be patching this thing for the next six months, and then maybe you can buy it. So I think it's on there as more of like a, yeah. This will be a good game eventually, but not this year. And then Company of Heroes, I think, was well-enjoyed and sort of like a return to that uh, franchise that the expansions for Company of Heroes 2 kind of started reaching towards. But yeah, it's, I think it's Pikmin 4.
0: Yeah, Pikmin is the highest-reviewed game on the list. Ten points higher than Company of Heroes. I do want to say about Fire Emblem, it, it's such a weird place right now for Fire Emblem fans. Three Houses was such a unexpected... Bangerang of a hit for Nintendo, and it brought in a lot of new fans who really liked it. And but they 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 did so much with the the whole persona elements that they tried to include, which some people really loved. I you know I'm indifferent on it. That I think it took away from a lot of the tactics. So you had a lot of old heads sort of underrate that game, even though it has probably the strongest narrative in a Fire Emblem game ever, really compelling characters and really great tactics. It's easier, which the real old heads don't like, but they've been complaining about that for 15 years, about how Fire Emblem games keep getting easier. So so it was weird that because it was so accessible and so beloved, it actually reviewed lower than it should have. And then we got Engage, which is the best tactics we've gotten in a Fire Emblem game, maybe ever, in my opinion. People just sort of glossed over that because the characters weren't, like the waifus weren't as cool as the last game. This should have reviewed where Three Houses reviewed and Three Houses should have been four ticks higher. So it's just it's so it's just weird how that all ended up playing out, uh, and people just were like, "Yeah, these characters are so." It's like the characters are better than ninety percent of other Fire Emblem games that you fucking love, uh, and the tactics are the best the series has ever been, with plenty of customization options if you want to be challenged. What are we complaining about? The waifus weren't s tier, so it it absolutely fucking tanked. Uh, it didn't tank. I got an
2: eighty-one, eighty-four. Like it, I think it's down to an eighty-one on OC. No, no, it's not. More telling would be like the sale. I think the sales were pretty soft on this one, especially considering how highly the uh, Three Houses sold. Like Three Houses sold better than Awakening. It's the best-selling game in the series, and I wonder if it's a lot. You sort of see this with uh, the spin-off games like Mario Plus Rabbids, where the sequel to that game sold very softly and the the hype for it was just not there and i wonder does fire emblem just not have the kind of um, power to like have multiple entries on a console without a doubt i think that's that's true and three houses was the outlier but also fate's outsold awakening didn't it but the the community consensus around Awakening is that it's a much better game. That is misleading. Was that just like conflated because there are they three sold versions, four of that versions game. of the game? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. So it, it did not.
0: Yeah, that's completely. Chris, you're right. It has an eighty-one. I didn't realize how far it had dropped. The thing about Engage, specifically, we've talked about it, is that was supposed to be like an anniversary thing. It wasn't supposed to like be. I think in their marketing wouldn't have been on the level of a Three Houses. This was going to be more of a. I don't want to say bite size. That's not right. But it was supposed to be like a. It anniversary release, they would have leaned into the the heavy PR cycle of that whole deal and, you know, it would have been more of a celebration and like... Got delayed out of the the year though, right? Right. And so they kind of had to pivot. I think if, if COVID hadn't happened the way it would have happened, I, I think this would have ended up being a anniversary celebration sold for 50 bucks and then they would have gone on and we would have already had the remake of the next game that is definitely done already. But it just fucked up all their plans. So people went into it with the expectations that this is a Three Houses level entry in the series, and I don't think it was ever meant to be that. I mean, it's still a full... I mean, just a 40-hour fucking tactics game, but the intent behind its uh, development, like even the fact that it's a single storyline, when people loved what they did with Three Houses, I think was very clear. Like the next mainline Fire Emblem game is going to be Three Houses too. You know, like it's going to follow that formula. And the fact that this didn't is very clear to me that that was meant to be sort of a one-off side thing in celebration of the 35th. Was it 35? That sounds right. 87. Uh, so it's just a bummer how it played out the way it played out. And you had all the casuals who overrated the first game come in and, and now they're underrating this game. And it's just... it As a Fire Emblem stand, it makes me angry anyway. It's not going to win this category. It's Pikmin.
1: Uh, we've only got a couple left, which is good. Um, Best multiplayer. Boy, howdy. This is... I, 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 Throw a dart and you may be right. Uh, online. All the all the stars are here. <laughs> online multiplayer gameplay and design, including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences, irrespective of game design, uh, game genre or platform. Baldur's Gate, Diablo 4, Party Animals, Street Fighter 6, and Mario Wonder. Where even to begin? Although I will say that, and I'm a little pissed off about this, frankly, like outstanding online multiplayer online, like... Mario Wonders' multiplayer strength is in sitting on the couch with the homies and running these levels. IMO. I had a pretty good
2: time playing online with EJ, to be honest. I had a better time playing online than in person, and that was just... I had a better time hanging out in person, but I had a better time playing
1: online. Totally. I don't know, it'd be easy to just go like Baldur's Gate because Baldur's Gate, but I did a little Googling and I'm like, what is the fucking multiplayer in Baldur's Gate 3? It's like literally a D&D campaign where the character's progression is tied to that campaign, that co-op campaign. You cannot progress individually. The person who started the campaign has to get everybody together like the DM and they will start right from where they left off and continue mm-hmm. forward from there, which is pretty fucking cool. I'm Dude, not gonna it lie. it is commitment
2: that is beyond anything I have, like, the the heart for. That's D&D, it baby! Does seem like to- it seems totally rad in the way you can, like, EJ can be going and talking to a shop owner. I could be shoplifting from the guy next door, and they could cause a commotion, and like, a fight could break out. And EJ, like, the shopkeeper gets interrupted because there's a fight starting next door, and then EJ's got to go bail me out of prison. Like, it seems like ex- exactly what you would want from a multiplayer role-playing game
0: and is this are you exploring this world is it point and click are you is
2: it like the witcher a third person like you're controlling a character it's isometric i think i think you could play isometric and i think you could play like over the shoulder i'm not exactly sure what the camera perspective is most of the time but i mean other larian games like the divinity games are isometric you know god's eye perspective of a of a map and then once you get into a combat encounter it's action points dictate how far you can move um what spells you can cast that kind of thing.
0: Oh man, this feels like it has to go it has to go to Baldur's Gate, but Diablo is really the only conventionally multiplayer game on this list, so it's kind of like also reviewed really well.
1: Street Fighter also yes. as a banger ass fighting game is deeply and intrinsically tied to the multiplayer experience, and how intrinsically is the multiplayer experience tied to Baldur's Gate? I've known that as a single player RPG that happens to have a multiplayer component. So this is where I'm like, how the fuck do you evaluate this? Total wash. And then you've got Mario, which like, again, give me some fucking couch co-op. Give me some couch co-op. And that game, I've had a great fucking time playing this game with two people. Um, fuck, dude. I'm tempted to just, to just hedge, go for the easy Baldur's Gate pick. Especially in light of like Diablo has really kind of tripped over their own feet with the way that they've rolled out the 2nd talked about rolling out the second season and people have been, uh, there's, I've been reading a lot more negative things about that game in the last six weeks than I have anything else. Yeah. People, people love
2: to hate the games they love. And I think Diablo is a little bit victim of that. I don't know how much that reflects in the, the uh, voting jury, but I mean, Diablo is the most multiplayer game on the list followed maybe by Street Fighter and then Baldur's Gate. But yeah, it's a total it's a total wash about who's actually going to win this. I think I think it probably oh man, yeah, I'm I'm really uh, torn between Baldur's Gate and Street Fighter because they're the the highest rated games on here and Street Fighter besides fighting game isn't going to get anything else. Baldur's Gate is going to get a lot of things, which I think means that it is more likely to get this thing. But I don't know. It, I guess it just depends on what if people are really thinking best multiplayer game on this list or best game on this list. And I think nine times out of 10, they're just picking the best game amongst the five that are that are given to them. So Baldur's Gate for you. Baldur's Gate. Uh, I'll, I'm going to go against the grain and go
0: Diablo. I know this bit me the ass last year. Just I, I have to be different if I want to win. I just can't keep choosing all the same shit. It's the only conventionally multiplayer game on this list. You think multiplayer? You don't think any of these games? Baldur's Gate, despite
2: apparently, yeah,
0: it's a fighting game. It's
2: I, uh, yeah, one v one. The other one is as important as you are. <laughs> God, I know. It's just its own. It's
1: got its own category. Yeah. Um, uh. Yeah, so does so does Baldur's Gate. Best RPG. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Country mile. EG, if we're getting bit, we're getting bit together. I'm also taking Diablo. I do think that the category heading is going to matter. I think that often it does matter. And I think that, again, that's just, I don't think of multiplayer when I think of Baldur's Gate. And I also think that given the, well, okay, I'm of two minds, right? It's either people are going to go, this is crazy. You want me to do what to play this game with four people? And some people are going to go, holy shit, this is amazing. We can literally play D&D together in a video game. Um, but I think there's less of those people than the former. Yeah. I'm taking Diablo as well. Uh, where do our last two categories? Uh, this one is really cool. And I think this is a new category. Um, best adaptation, recognizing outstanding creative work that faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertainment medium. Uh, we have some shit in this, uh, stew for sure. Uh, in the form of Gran Turismo and twisted metal, which, (laughs) okay. uh, Castlevania Nocturne which is the most recent Netflix uh Castlevania anime uh as well as The Last of Us and the Super Mario Brothers movie. This is tough. I y- Yep. I think it's not. I think it's The Last of Us. Nick, I agree. I also fear the populism that was the Super Mario Bros movie and how many people I mean, there was like a massive massive wave of discourse in a lot of the like film shit posting groups I've in of of how many people were like actively shitting on film critics in a way that, I don't know, it was, it was more concentrated and widespread from more people who ordinarily would not have given a shit about it because of how poorly the Mario movie reviewed, and rightfully so, by critics. Um, I think they were looking for one thing, the fans were looking for something else. Uh, and like I said on the podcast at the beach, shout out the beach, uh, I agreed with both Rotten Tomatoes scores. Um, depending on what frame of reference I was looking from. So I ugh, it's I, it feel, feels bad to go there so quickly, but I also think I don't know how it's not The Last of Us.
0: It's tough because it says faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertainment medium. And you look at a lot of what the Mario movie did, and would I call that a faithful adaptation of an action platformer like Mario? Well, A, there's not a lot to adapt in that regard and be like no mario talks so it's clearly not faithful <laughs> like in its
2: adaptation like he jumps and hits the flagpole within the first 15 minutes of the movie
1: i was gonna say man he hits blocks and gets power of donkey kong mocks him for getting the mini mushroom like come on
2: about as faithful as you can be and still be a feature-length film and
1: if you get I hit you lose guess. your power up Direct quote from the Super Mario Bros.
2: movie film script. And as we all know, the Kong army is the strongest of the armies. How many armies are there? I don't know. Also, I just wanted to talk about that plot point. (laughs) 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 B-D-D.
0: Don't sleep on Castlevania either. Good show. I haven't watched the latest season though. Consistently quality, beloved within the community. Um, It's one of those things that people like to feel smart about. I've noticed, like, on Reddit and and things, it's like, oh, you're not watching Castlevania, huh? Well, (laughs) like, okay, you must really love Avatar The Last Airbender. Let's fucking chill out. So I don't know. maybe, Maybe that's got a place here. Last of Us was just such a huge fucking deal. And to me, despite my grievances with a lot of that script, which is well documented, if you go back to our podcast from the beginning of the year, we break down every single episode each week. The fact that it was able to adapt itself as faithfully as it did, all things considered, and transcend the medium completely. Like, anybody who's not into video games can watch this. Mario, it's like, okay, I have to both like animation and also Mario. You know? So to me, it it should be Last of Us.
2: And it will be. No Sad Bastard games, but there is a Sad Bastard TV show about games. Trot Neil Druckmann
1: out on on stage. Yeah, this this feels like an excuse to get, yeah, Kuckman out there to... Shake hands with Jeff and be like, I don't know. You know what's so funny? We're not getting to Zelda today. (laughs) That's fine. We talk talk our own shit
0: about Neil Druckmann for like totally different reasons than like why the rest of the internet calls him Neil Cuckman. It's like, we're like, no, no, we're not incels. We hate him for real reasons. We promise.
1: Yeah, I hate him for forcing his employees to watch really graphic snuff films without their express consent. To help create, I feel iffy about his Zionism. Oh boy, I'm not touch. I'm not touching that. You can, you can refer to my Instagram if you want my positions on ongoing events in the Middle East. But I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'd rather not. Skip. All right, our final category: most anticipated game. Uh, we've got Tekken eight star Wars outlaws like a dragon, infinite wealth, Hades two and final fantasy seven rebirth. <laughs> uh, I know what my pick is, uh, but also two really, really strong contenders in this list. In all seriousness, um, Hades was a fucking phenomenon. Uh, and it's the first sequel for super giant, which is huge. I think, um, what do you think? What 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 are y'all feeling like here? I'm obviously taking Final Fantasy. Like, there's no real debate here for me. But what what are y'all thinking?
2: I think Final Fantasy has the most mass appeal, and this one, I believe, is either entirely or primarily uh, fan cast, fan votes. So it's whoever has the biggest audience. That's exactly it. And
0: it's tough to like. It's tough to know what the audience looks like. Like Hades is obviously got the highest potential on this list. I think that first game got like a 95 Final Fantasy remake. We've had how many Final Fantasy games and how many more on the horizon. It's just like another Final Fantasy. I know Chris, you're super excited for it, but like, you know, last year's most anticipated game was fucking Zelda. Like Final Fantasy seven rebirth. remake
1: part two is not, is not anticipated the way Zelda is anticipated by anyone. But Over an indie title that while reviewing extremely well and is an absolute banger, I would guess that Hades sold about the same as Final
2: Fantasy Rebirth, if not more. Or Remake, uh, excuse me. Final Fantasy VII Remake sold about five or six million copies. I think Hades could have reached that. Maybe. That's accessible on a lot of, like, Games Pass-ass joints, right? Fairly. And it. I think they just announced, like, as of, what, next year, I think, uh, Hades is going to be available on Apple Arcade. So it'll be on
1: iPhones. Netflix. Also yeah. coming to Netflix. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I... I
2: I'm just saying this is a populist vote. Like this is going to be determined by
1: whoever can drum up the most fan support to vote on things. So I think it is between final fantasy and Hades. Yeah. I think there's more final fantasy weebs out there that are going to vote on this than thirsty, uh, Gresham files who want to see more, uh, scantily clad trying to get sticky and sticks. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so Nick, you're taking Final Fantasy, or are you taking Hades? Yes. Taking Final Fantasy, FF7. EJ, what do you got?
0: I should probably just go against the grain again. This is a hilarious category, by the way. Like, Like a Dragon,
2: Star Wars Outlaws. It's not even a real game at this point. Tekken 8? It's an announced game that has demonstrably illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward. Okay. Okay? (laughs) Okay. It is illustrated potential. You taking Hades then, Big Dog? Uh... Yo, the next Like a Dragon game that comes out in 2025 is going to be subtitled Illustrious Potential. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? There's going to be three of them that
0: come out in 2025. Fuck, you know?
2: (laughs) Seven and a half, guide
0: in.
1: Literally, we have like three of these games a year. I'm going to go Hades, fuck it. Fuck it! All right. Uh, We have a fair bit of variation between a lot of these categories. So this is actually going to be really interesting to see how that race shakes out. And if I don't jump in in time... To start right at Jump, y'all will have to go into the shared drive and start bolding um, stuff that won so that we can uh, keep a tally. Um, Okay, we are sitting at a meaty two hours and 23 minutes so far. I think we could spend a little bit of time talking about stuff that we expect to see announced, things we expect to be revealed, uh, whether that's trailers, game announcements, uh, release dates being dropped. Um, yeah, I think that there's, I think that there's a a pretty good, I think there's a potential for some very interesting stuff. So maybe why don't we, um, why don't we do something that we fully expect to see and something that we think will be a surprise revelation.
0: We are going to get a new PlayStation mascot platformer announced at the Game Awards this year. I don't think it's a Crash 5. I hope it's a Spyro, Uh, but look forward to that. Both (laughs) franchises owned by Xbox. EJ. Are they really? Oh my God. That's official now. Yeah. Wow. That's sad. There's still PlayStation mascots. We can still get new games. It just won't be on PlayStation. <laughs> Yo, let's go.
2: PlayStation Mascots Xbox exclusive. <laughs> Give me a fucking Xbox Spyro game. Switch.
1: Switch. Okay, so that's your gonna have. that's your gonna happen is we're getting like a crash or a spyro type type joint. Uh I think my gonna happen is nope, I think I lost it. I've had it for like a week, but I lost it. Uh oh I've got mine. Go for it. Grand Theft Auto Six. Oh, that was it! Damn it! Oh, yep, that was it.
2: We they de- announced their own announcement. That's happening. They didn't say. They didn't say when they're going to show a trailer. Just that it was happening in early December, and then oh. uh, right around then, Jeff Keeley tweeted saying, "Hey, remember to tune in to the Game Awards airing December 7th Like not like quote tweeting it or anything, but just at the same time being very uh, conspicuous. Ah,
1: uh, okay, yeah, reasonable. Uh mine, oh I remember what it is. It's not Grand Theft Auto Six. Uh it is a uh trailer and release date for uh Elden Ring Shadow of Shadow of the Air Tree.
2: That I think we're getting yep, both yeah, a trailer. That's a, that's a good
1: pick. And that it'll be announced as a Q one release for either January or February. February twenty second. Yeah, whatever the leak was.
2: I don't even know if there was a leak. It's just probably February. Uh, listen here. Nick
0: hopes he's gonna get Silk Song, and Chris hopes he gets Metroid Prime Four. Finally, you'll get neither of them. I promise. No, I don't. I
1: don't. I don't think that at all. I Nintendo historically does not do major announcements like this. They they all they always want to do their own thing. Um, like I think we got a Smash DLC character one year, and that's like the most notable thing they've announced at TGA. Yeah, they had Joker at at the 2017 Tgas
2: or 2018, excuse me, because that's when the game came out. But there was also, they announced Bayonetta 3 at uh, Game Awards 2017. Like, four years before that game came we out. We got Bayonetta last
0: year, we got the first fucking clip of the Mario movie last year, we got Fire Emblem last year. Like, Nintendo had a hefty presence at the Game Awards.
2: Yeah, and they they're sort of on the downswing as far as, like, what big things are they going to announce that aren't related to their next hardware? So they could easily drop like another remake because that's what next year is going to be heavily from nintendo. Switch 2 teaser?
1: No. Prime I 2 Echoes th- like Shadow Drop. Yeah, that'd be that would be more likely that it would be something like, But Prime 4 I'm still not convinced is even coming out on the switch exclusively. Uh I'm still not, I'm not convinced of that at all. Yeah, god, I don't know. My 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 surprise I feel like is um I don't think it's coming from nintendo. I think that it's going to be signs of life from a game that we're sort of like, oh, yeah, that is a fucking game that's being made. Um, So specifically, I think back to something that we got revealed at last TGA that we've heard nothing of. And that is uh, KOTOR. No, that game's fucking dead. Uh, uh, Star Wars Eclipse. I think that we're going to get we're going to get a look at Eclipse, um, even if it's in brief, just to remind people that that game's on the either. So that's my surprise. My surprise pick is that we're going to get uh, a look at Eclipse.
2: It should have been him. They could, They took the wrong one. <laughs> David Cage can't keep getting away with it. That's what I'm saying.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think it'll be uh, a masturbatory snooze fest as usual. I look forward to eating Thai food with Nick and FaceTiming Chris. I also look forward to reading the Kotaku breakdown. I said Kotaku, just fucking insert. Bullshit article here uh, summarizing- PR regurgitation. Exactly. IGN uh, just whole cloth reposting another company's YouTube videos to their YouTube for the AdSense. Really fucking weird
2: behavior from those guys.
1: Wait, what's your pick? What's your surprise pick? Yeah, Nick, what's your surprise pick?
2: Who is your child's surprise? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that mine is a trailer for the Machine Games Indiana Jones game. Oh, interesting. Wow. Damn, what if we get a Wolverine trailer- Sony's not in the habit of uh, putting out trailers for games that aren't coming out in the next like six months, though. They've been kind of skittish on that front ever since, what, the last time they did the long preview was, what, Last of Us 2?
1: Mother 3. Book it. Wow. That would kind of fit with what we're seeing in this Sunset
2: slate. Book it.
0: Mother 3. 2024. In what
2: form? Be more specific. I want you to flex. Show me your creative chops. It will come to... The NSO in Japan only,
0: (laughs)
1: exactly.
0: Only in Japanese. No translation. No translation.
2: Everyone's gonna be so angry that we finally get our fucking Reggie will walk on stage and say, "Never ask me for anything ever again." Yeah,
0: dude. The fucking drop the microphone. The monkey's paw curls and Reggie just walks off. Fucking (laughs) mic drop. Like a purple Pikmin. Uh. Yeah. When was Wolverine announced? Like two years ago? That was at a, a Sony event, right? Is either last yeah, either last year or the year before announced. I mean, it was announced. I shouldn't air quote announced. It was announced. But Title card. shown, shown. Yeah, quote unquote. Yeah, CG trailer. Yeah, well, it yeah, was we'll I I am so not looking forward to that game, dude. I'm not gonna lie. No
2: part of me is interested in it whatsoever. I would be kind of surprised if Sony shows up at all. Oh, Death Stranding
1: 2 Also, is a shoe in. Mm mm hmm. Kojima-san definitely about to pop in. I love just as a very quick aside, how much of a film bro that guy is just like his Twitter is just full of like pictures of him going to movies and like in his movie closet with all his like physical ass media. Like, I love that. I love Hideo Kojima. He makes some weird shit and it doesn't always work, but I really like that guy. Good for him. Well, friends, uh, this has been your console crusade podcast, uh, game awards, 2023 prediction. Uh, we ended up with a whopping zero side bets, which I think <laughs> shows a remarkable, um, remarkable amount of restraint on all of our parts. Although I'm always down to just say, screw it. Let's put a Hamilton in a little bit, a little bit of change in our pockets for our collective, uh, collective wagering. Uh, but if that's not the mood, that's totally fine. Uh, We there's some other stuff that we were going to talk about, but we have gone for two and a half hours, and I think that that is a I think that that's probably good for the day Uh, so friends can look forward to some piping hot content next week to the tune of the Legend of Zelda movie doing some fan casting on that discussion of the folks who are currently attached to that project and uh, our intense feelings of trepidation in that regard. Uh, as well as some Mario Wonder, um, should take like a pretty pretty solid dive on Mario Wonder. Maybe some early Mario RPG impressions, and who knows? Maybe Brandon Gusevson will show up, and uh, EJ can go take a nap for thirty minutes while we scream at each other about Final Fantasy. I don't know, but uh, I think it's nice. gonna be a good one.
0: Righteous, I'm not kidding. I want to talk about goddamn Mario Wonder, and so whether we either have to force Chris to play that game in the next three days. Or do a sidebar without
1: Chris, and then he can sidebar on Final Fantasy with Brandon? No, I'll, t- I'll, talk, uh, I'll talk about as much as I'm able. I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to get spoiled talking about levels. Like I don't feel that way about a Mario game at all. Um, I just won't be able to, to speak with the depth and breadth that y'all will, but that's totally fine. Um, we'll absolutely talk about Mario next week, for sure. But I'm not beating that before then. There's no way. I want to get through Final Fantasy before I start another RPG. Oh my God. Four days, four days, Nick, four days. I listened to a YouTube comparison with like a nice long cut of the uh, forest maze in the, uh, from the original version. And then the reorchestrated version, just casually crying at my computer on a Sunday morning. It's like, God damn, I'm so excited for this game. Absolutely. Normal behavior. I respect it. I applaud it. Yeah, this is going to be a joy. This is going to be a real joy. And we will also be able to, I think next Monday, tentatively call the Fantasy Critic League because the last two releases on the calendar are coming out on Friday. Uh, There are some moving pieces. There are some moving pieces that could affect things, which we could also talk about, but I think we're going to have a pretty pretty good sense of the way the cookie's crumbling when we next record. If Mario RPG gets a 94, it will be butt-pucker
0: time until literally New Year's fucking Eve when we're tallying up Hogwarts and fucking Mortal Kombat reviews to see where Nick actually lands. If it gets an 88, the league is over. So we might be able to call it next week, but right now, I'm hoping, and I fucking said this today, if fucking Metroid goddamn Prime can drop to a 94, but this comes out and does an 85 or an 88, bullshit! And I I will be absolutely fuming. You think you've seen me rage before? If it drops a 94 or 95... And I end up with a point of Nick, and we do his calculations at the end, and Hogwarts gives him a, l- a couple points. And I really lose to Nick by a storyteller, that will be worth the meme. That would be, it would suck, but it would be amazing. Great content, worth the meme. If I end up really, truly losing to him by less than a half point, I'm here for it. But if I just get an 86 on Super Mario RPG after all the bullshit this year with fucking remakes being way over reviewed. I'll be I'm retiring
2: I'll retire fully I fully anticipate a podcast popping up on the concert crusade feed that is you just having a solo Alex Jones esque tirade ranting about Mario
1: RPG from the context of never having actually played it it's not gonna be solo (laughs) because if that game releases to an 85 and is as good as it looks I'm going to absolutely explode as well and Nick you could just like put your feet up and have a couple nice Trader Joe's fizzy waters or what have you, while we scream at each other. I want the game to be good. But not as, good too. not as much as you want it to get just few enough points that EJ doesn't win the league. I wanted <laughs> to get a 91. <laughs> That'd be I great. That'd be great. Everybody's happy. You
2: know, a great game, a 90 plus game. We love that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is unfortunately through the lens of Metroid, which I played almost to completion, very close to completion. You put the hours in, and you lost some of those hours. <laughs> I unfortunately did. I would have expected a Super Mario RPG remake done competently to score in the Link's Awakening range, if not for Metroid Prime being shadow dropped to a 94 on Open Critic, If that hadn't happened, we wouldn't even be having a conversation right now. The League would be over. But the fact that that goddamn game came out and reviewed better than... In the best year of all time of, in fucking video game history... It is in the top seven or whatever. The top five is insane to me. And if Mario RPG comes out and like Link's Awakening, good game, good remake, had some
2: technical issues. Link's it's Awakening dope. is no Mario RPG or Metroid Prime. If you look, and you go and look at the GoldenEye port from the Xbox, I think that's like a 90 plus as well. Like there's some ridiculous v- reviewers out there. There is a, Anything can happen. Quake, I think, is a 90 plus. Quake 2 or whatever. These people are out of their minds. Dead space. 89, 88. You know, it can happen. Nothing makes sense. We're all just making bad guesses. <laughs> Give me a 95 <laughs> on my RPG. Vindicate me. Vindicate me.
1: Alright. You know, I gotta 92, call it.
2: 91.
1: I've been <laughs> I've impeded on the living room space long enough. Uh, and we've got some goddamn good content in the bank. Console Crusade Podcast. Tune in next week to hear EJ and Chris absolutely and uh, inevitably implode about the Super Mario RPG make review score. <laughs>